The views and opinions expressed on Red Planet are those of the individual and do not necessarily reflect those of Red Planet nor any affiliated or related entities. This podcast is provided for educational purposes only. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Red Planet. This week, we spoke with Anita Downs about the case of trans activist Sarah Jane Baker, presently being held in a men's prison on a life sentence after remarks she made at Trans Pride back in July. Plus, things are getting heated in Niger. Israel is interfering in the UK justice system, and the Northern Hemisphere is on fire. But first, some thoughts on Richard Dawkins' career trajectory. But I think that um, I think that Dawkins going down the like Peterson route is like, it, I think that he is going to try it. It's just that he like okay, this is the main thing, right? He's twenty years older than Jordan Peterson, right? And he's already wow. had his big like rise to fame, his book tour, his everything, like you know his his however many books he's done. He's done his like bigoted stint hating uh, Muslims and indigenous people, and now onto trans people, and it's like. Yeah, it's very clear the money is there for him to to try and do like more of the fast shit. He was so the th- the thing I was reading, he was in the New Statesman. They'd gotten him and they'd gotten someone else, and they were like, "We're going to solve the gender issue with a debate." And Richard Dawkins is going to be really, really bigoted, and then someone else is going to have mild feminist opinions. You know, the debate. And it's like, I also, well, okay, I, I, if, his, yeah, if he's yeah. getting a booking as as the bigot in some like you know, he's he's the heel in their wrestling match, right? I do often forget how old he is. He is like in his eighties now. Eighties. You know? I mean, like, the yeah. the good news about that though is that if he starts the all meat diet, um, there's no fucking <laughs> yeah, yeah. way it's that him out. Is, yeah, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> yeah, yeah. Game over. And I feel, yeah, yeah. I feel like um, even as he gets older, as he probably you know, as as he knows like the grift is like running dry or whatever, I feel like he's starting like these like combination bigotry kind of things. It's like. <laughs> Because he is like, you know, he's doing the trans thing at the moment, but he is actually, you know, he has been on a very anti-Maori thing for a while now. And it's really wild to yeah. see him just get involved in a discussion that he like, I mean, it's not, it's not that wild to see him get involved in a discussion he has absolutely no idea about. But um, <laughs> it's, kind it's of like, thing. Yeah. yeah, it's like this weird thing where it's like, he's, he just, he pops up every now and then and has this like really intense opinion, but yeah. then like, doesn't back it up with anything or doesn't actually you know he's not actually having a discussion or anything like that so um it's like there's a lot of speculation on um because he he seems to be taking kind of pot shots at specific like new zealand universities and stuff and it seems like you know there's definitely like some kind of like agenda there or something like that um i i would be surprised if it was just someone else that is like kind of whispering in his ear every now and then like Hey grandpa, you want to hear something fucked up? Yeah, you should <laughs> about it right now. And then just completely like, you know, just yeah. You know what would be the you know what would be the worst vibe is trying to like trying to like fix your car and then Richard Dawkins walks by. And he would because he would immediately come over and he's like, I can see that you haven't educated yourself on this at all. Yeah, uh, yeah, science yeah. says that an engine should go to get <laughs> and just yeah, yeah, yeah. himself. That would and be, like talk um, down to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he would be um yeah, he would definitely, um, he would definitely, definitely do like the um, the classic kind of like, you know, that thing where people don't 
like they they assume that they have that natural intelligence where it's yeah. like i can look at this for five minutes and i'll be able to yeah, i can figure this problem. out exactly yeah, yeah. exactly yeah car yeah, mechanics yeah, yeah. Are, are, are dumber than me i don't have a you know i have a phd and they don't so i must be able to figure yeah, this yeah, out. yeah yeah exactly that yeah. Kind trying of thing. to trying to explain oh, yeah. Uh, yeah i'm trying to explain to him that i've got an electric car while he insists that um cars have always taken petrol so it must take petrol yeah um, yeah yeah you anyway, gotta, welcome you... to Red Planet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Welcome to Red Planet. Um, you know, uh, Richard Dawkins has just popped by to tell us that our transmission's fucked. Um, <laughs> um, so, how are we doing, everyone? We're doing good. It's oh, been it's good. been a couple of weeks since I've been here, so I've yeah. missed out on all of the. Uh, all it's of my the second. It's my second week back from my working too hard hiatus. Mm. which is not it's not at all like a holiday it's where i'm working too hard on something else so I don't, i'm not here yeah. and then i come back tired uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but here's my question for mule mm. what's the most based thing you did this week well sophie um the most i'm surprised you're asking me this because the most based thing i did this week was have you on my stream um oh. and i know that this isn't really this isn't really any activism related stuff but i think it is to a point because um well look you know the reason i'm mentioning this is because i haven't actually done any um extraneous <laughs> activism this week um i have been still recovering from uh my fatigue but it, it's it, I'm, I'm feeling so much better now but the reason i wanted to mention um talking about your video is because it truly is and i cannot stress this enough the launching point for how we now discuss politics on the internet at least you know what i mean <clears throat> if if not the the broader wow. um thanks babe if, that's really not, well well you know we spoke about this like sort of really briefly on 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 the stream that that, that we did together where it's like well you know now you know, and we talk about this on Red Planet all the time. We know that the only way forward is communism. And if yeah. you don't want to call it communism, a world that is full of love and compassion for your fellow human. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, like the, the, the communist kind of like mode of production, like the, mm-hmm. like the communist relation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, no, I mean, I see what I see. I know what you mean. Absolutely. Like, it's like yeah. either you're. Admittedly, the majority of people are still uh, being doomers or, or whatever else the fuck they're doing, but like. Either you're getting on with what we're going to do next, or you're you're or you're just fucking around, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and it, and it has inspired me in like all the conversations I've had with people this week to challenge them to think of a uh, life after capitalism, yeah. like a, a world yeah. after capitalism. Like you know, yeah. how, how do you, how do you envision the world? And it, and it kind of it got me thinking. And you saw this tweet that I did because uh, you liked it. I don't know if you remember, but I was saying like. Yeah, kind of like strikes me that like, you know, the 60% of jobs in the world that are like bullshit jobs that, yeah. they, you know, they serve money, they serve finance, like debt collectors, right. Um, right. banks, like uh, uh, sales jobs, literally David Graeber moment, even though I've never read him. Um, <laughs> and, and it's and it's honestly like, um, you know, if if everyone who works in those kinds of jobs, so like everybody in the Imperial Corps, like, you know, stop working and we slow down production so much because, you know, we still produce even in the Imperial periphery where we export all of our labor. Um, yeah. you know, we slow down production, like to the point where, you know, we're not harming the planet, like just how much of a wonderful world that would be, because it would give everybody the time to learn the skills necessary to like, if yeah. they wanted to, uh, you know, do medicine or, you know, yeah. care for disabled people or all these different things. And it's just like things that I've never really thought of in 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 the grander scheme of things with understanding how everything works in the world and capitalism is related and stuff 
now I can sort of like really easily visualize them. So it's definitely mm-hmm. helped me, and I think it's I think it's going to help everybody. I think it's thanks, uh, babe. We're already seeing that. So that was the yeah, most based thing I did this oh, week. I do think it's like um I think it's like uh you know being able to imagine different paths to whatever's going to happen next is really important. Like what you're saying there about like if all those people doing bullshit jobs just slowed the fuck down, that would be a huge change. If all of them like as a one two step, like stop paying rent and then stop working, you know, that would be so much sometimes i feel like because i take it as the premise of my politics what like what's going to happen it feels like a huge trap card in political conversations with me that i'm not i'm not coming into every conversation like the world is not ending let me tell you why but i'm talking with that i know i know i believe that and i feel like eventually it's going to wind down to them being like but don't you think and i'll be like aha um <laughs> yeah uh, t- tim what was the most basic thing you did this week um, I was trying to think about this before the show because I just got back like halfway through last week and had to take time off to kind of sleep and um, popped into work for a couple days. I um, So I haven't had too much time. The one thing I would probably say, which is like something that I've, I think I've mentioned it like once or twice before as like a thing that happens sometimes at work as a tattoo artist is um, I had this customer that um, she's like a regular customer and I've tattooed her a whole bunch. And she has like, she has like a, she had a specific kind of like body kind of like dysmorphia kind of like issue sort of thing. And, um, and we did some tattoos kind of like around this kind of like thing in her body that she was like really, kind of uh that she just really hated and like made her feel really you know weird or mm-hmm, whatever mm-hmm. like that and um yeah and then so afterwards she was like super psyched and then she like messaged me afterwards and was like I'm so happy like this is like you know like I'm like so stoked you know just all this kind of stuff saying that's like, so I'm just, sweet like, I love that you know this is like changed the way that I like look at myself and all this kind of stuff and I was like that's pretty base that's pretty cool that's like <laughs> the coolest thing I could think of in the last like yeah like couple weeks or so um and yeah it's like one of those things that really like you know like when you get reminded of like the good things about why you do what you do and stuff you know when you have like a really good interaction like that and it's like oh yeah like you know sure there's a lot of just like tattooing sick flaming skulls on people because it's (laughs) sick but then there is like you know there is like a transformational kind of aspect for a lot of people and it kind of like you know, helps them, um, helps them with their I've been saying for a while, like, whenever I eventually visit, uh, visit your neck of the woods, they should get, we Mm. should, you should do me a tattoo. Now I really want a flaming skull. Like, (laughs) it's such a, like, generic rad tattoo idea. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's, like, my go-to for whenever, like, someone, like, wants to talk about, like, a, you know, like, a pretty hectic tattoo or whatever, you know, like, some people will be like, They'll be getting like a little bouquet of flowers or something, and they'll be like, "Oh, you know, like my mom might be upset." And it's like, "Hey, at least it's not a flaming skull." You know? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but a flaming skull is like, you know, it's sick as hell. You know, there's like a bunch yeah. of things like flaming skull, like a panther, whatever. Like, it's always mm. going to be sick as hell. Like, you can't go wrong with that. A big dagger, <laughs> like, <laughs> all a of flaming, the above. A flaming uh, dagger. Maybe a skull who's holding a flaming dagger in his teeth. A skull, yeah. skull with a like, flaming dagger going through it. Yo. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's something like a panther with a dagger. The panther's head with a dagger going through it. And there's like a skull in the panther's mouth. That's, like, yeah. that's a yes. consolidated tattoo. There we go. Um, and it's all on fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. It's all, yeah, it's always 
fire and spraying blood and stuff. <laughs> but yeah, so um, yeah, so that's what I thought. Um, what about what about you, Soph? What's the most um base thing you've done this week? Uh, it's been a big week for rock climbing. I've uh, wow. I've posted a lot of rock climbing on my no, Twitter. No base jumping. Uh, <laughs> if, I, if I'd done it, that would have been a great joke for me to make. Yeah, yeah. Um, you just gotta climb the rock and then jump off, and then you know. I mean, I do, I do jump off it because a lot of them it's too hard to climb down. Um, <laughs> climbing down is a lot harder. Um, True, but but um, oh, I was gonna say, uh, yeah, like I've been posting some videos from my rock climbing adventures. Uh, uh, indoor rock climbing, to be clear, not proper adventures. Uh, the last few weeks and like. People uh, people interact with them as thirst traps. Like the the honest to god reason why I started recording them in the first place is like to watch my form because it's like I care about this. Like I I haven't found like um a form of exercise that I um that I like care about and enjoy this much before and like yeah. it's really yeah it's like really hard it's good to, to find that right like yeah like it's been really yeah. hard for me to get out of the house regularly and and like with the the pointed goal of working out like I used to just lift weights uh mm. and then i like really changed what i what you know shape i was aiming my body at being and realized yeah. i wanted like much different things right uh so i started just doing squats and like and like indoor cycling mm. um but like nothing that would get me out of the house and like had that the real big endorphin hit of like going yeah. somewhere using your body feeling like a person who's out there in the world you know um and rock climbing is it i fucking love it like it's yeah, so yeah. good so many people I know so, are getting into it now. It's like it does seem like it's it's oh, very yeah. like so, engaging. You know? <clears throat> the next time you're up here, we got to go climbing together because I love okay. rock climbing too. Yeah, I'm Shit, so yeah, down. okay, fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I um, I gave it a go yeah. years ago, but I, I really want to try it out again. And now this is getting me hyped up about it. So I I have yeah. my carabiner and belaying device on my keyring at all times. So is that case. your like? Is that your rock climbing carabiner or your lesbian carabiner? Uh, it's both, of course. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm an eminently practical doll, so I I, do. Um, I like having the car- the belaying device around and just being like, well, if anyone is climbing a tall uh, building and is attached to a rope and the rope is going through a pulley, but the other end isn't secured to anything, I can go, don't worry, everyone. I can belay. I, <laughs> I thought you were going to say, don't worry, everyone. I'm a lesbian. That would be better. That would be so much better. Um <laughs> Anyway, this week specifically, I have uh, been bouldering uh, four whole times, which is the most I've done in a week before. Um, at least we get like that bouldering really... is like, um, that's, so that's like when it's not at like a climbing wall, right? That's just when it's just a big rock somewhere. No, 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 no. It, 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 Wait, it, has, it, it is at the rock climbing wall, uh, but it's no rope. So it's oh, a shorter, right. so it's just yeah, just yeah. free hand in yeah. it because yeah. it just yeah, yeah, sounds yeah. like you know it's like bouldering to me just sounds like like cottaging or dogging. <laughs> so, you know, like, well, that too, right? again, again, this is a deeply lesbian. Sport. I feel like yeah, yeah. There's like there's totally like there's there could be like a crossover there somewhere. You know, like I'm, we need a new yeah. term for like all of the above. Like I'm <laughs> I'm very glad that the that the like premier uh, trans uh, lesbian uh, cruising spot is also a place where you do a lot of like exercise that's good for you i'm really glad for that because <laughs> yeah. it like fully fully that's why i was like i'm gonna make some friends uh and then i was like shit damn i like exercising i like using my body this rules anyway um 
this week I uh, went bouldering four times uh, and I really like worked out super hard every time. Um, I know like working out to exhaustion is actually bad for you and is not part of a good training thing. And like, usually when I go twice a week, I haven't done that. Uh, but a couple of times I was like, just so beat coming out of this. And like it, while it's not a good thing that you should do, shouldn't do regularly, doing it like working out until you are absolutely completely fucked it's like if you haven't done it in a long time it's a great feeling because it's just like i've actually pushed my body to a point here like i've really shown what my limits are and as long as you like make the moves to recover yeah it's it's better like make sure you're getting like your your nutrients and stuff like that in Mm -hmm. the food you eat after and what have you yeah absolutely yeah Yeah. and and also like you know take care of yourself beforehand and stuff but yeah no that feeling when you like it it, it, i feel like there is kind of a um you know there's like a zone where you get into where you're just like no thoughts like head empty just focusing on the goal yeah when i go rock climbing too yeah 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 when it's like okay i'm finishing the you know like i'm climbing up here or i'm like finishing this set or i'm like hitting this you know whatever like that yeah totally um, I think can be a really good like kind of um almost like a like a mind cleanse like yeah. just like a hundred percent yeah like, flush it there's all like out. uh I don't know if, if these numbers will be meaningful to a- any viewers or listeners but like I've been I've been at the sort of top end like I've been, I've been doing all of the v2 bouldering routes for a while and I've been trying to break into v3s um and for people who don't climb it's like the way that at least where I climb like this is organized is like v0 is it's kind of like a a wonky ladder of of holds and then one and twos it's kind of like they'll they'll either be like steps missing from the ladder or it's a little bit more of a puzzle but v3 is kind of where it really kicks off as like you have to do some bizarre gymnast shit you gotta be like sideways and then like use your ankle to like turn your whole body around like that's where it really kicks so hard it's so fucking hard um so i've i've got like a few v3 routes i can do now so i'm like starting to break into that and that's kind of why this week has been so intense with it because i've just like got the autism for rock climbing big time this week (laughs) Um, yeah and yeah i mean that's been that's been the the most based thing i did this week because honestly like just taking care of myself it's good um so the news this week on um Oh yeah. Uh, sorry. There was one more thing before we do that. Um, oh, yeah. But that's, those are the most base things we did. We did this week. Uh, however, we want to know what base things you've been doing. So you can yeah, yeah. message us on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok, or send an email to based at redplanetshow.com. Include your name and pronouns if you're cool with that. And we may shout it out in the later episode. Um, I did see um, so... a couple quick ones in the chat. I just want to point out real quick. We got um, B-Rat was helping out with some flood damage cleanup. Oh, they had the worst decade, flood in three decades. Cool. Um, and there was another one, uh, Raven G three two two six, signed up to work at the food bank, and then found out that they're actually going to get paid for it too. So, oh, um, that's that's okay. awesome to go in there. <laughs> yeah, you know, so great work, great work team. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you um, do have anything else, just uh, shoot it through to us, and we'll do a little proper thing next week. Yeah. Uh, so this week's going to be a bit, a bit of a strange episode, everyone, uh, which is why we've been kind of just chatting so far. Uh, we have a uh, a guest coming on for a little discussion now, um, roughly half an hour, maybe a bit longer. And then we're going to do our news, uh, just a few news sections afterwards. Um, the guest who's coming on is a representative of Sarah Jane Baker. So uh, if people don't know, Sarah Jane Baker is a trans woman who was a uh, a prisoner for a long time and... Um, 
and uh, she has been an activist since she got out. Uh, she transitioned while she was in uh, while she was inside, and she's been an activist since she came out. And um, she was recently re-imprisoned uh, because she said that people should punch turfs in the face. Um, a lot of uh, kind of uh, a lot of left-leaning news places aren't really talking about this, and I think that this is frankly some moral cowardice because they like they're shying away from talking about a woman whose original conviction they feel makes it her not uh worthy of like basic human decency and respect but it is a problem that the it is a problem that the uh that our like speech is so limited uh in discussing like this exterminationist movement who are trying to kill us uh and we can't uh say anything back and it's also a problem that the government can basically just like re-imprison on very little grounds any any prisoner who's currently under the under the conditions that they've set. Um, those are two huge problems that matter to politics, no matter who they're being done to. Um, so uh, we we're getting an update uh, from Anita, who uh, has joined us now. Uh, Anita, are you? Hello. Hello. Um, Hi. So you're. Um, I was just filling in the the chat a bit on on kind of uh, Sarah, the broad strokes of, of what's going on with Sarah. Um, but there's been kind of specific developments recently um, that you maybe could tell us more about. Yeah. So, I mean, she had quite a stressful week um, last week um, for quite a lot of different reasons. Um so she was meant to be in court um, on Thursday and somehow it was just a complete farce. They were meant to have got her over and transport. Her name wasn't on the list and then there was no video link. So they ended up being, you know, discussing her without her actually being in court at all. Oh, my God. Um, which was... That's disgusting. Yeah, which, you know, you just are saying, like, you think these people have got so much power and they're so educated and yet they can't manage that level of basics. Um, so there was another date scheduled then on the 22nd because the Crown had actually wanted to put a second charge. Um, so she was um, charged with a Section 4A. I'm not a legal person, so this is just kind of sure, sure. a person's description. So the 4A was um, about causing alarm and distress, and they want to put another charge of saying, um, encouraging someone else to do criminal behavior, basically. Um, right, okay. But they couldn't actually do it because she wasn't in court, so <laughs> so they've had to schedule an additional day. So there was that, and then... Um, Pink News are really supportive and did an article and interviewed some of the people that were at the demo there. So, yeah, we've been doing demos outside the court um, every time. And the conditions in the jail have been really bad. Um, you know, she's a trans woman in a men's jail, had been put on a wing with lots of sex offenders, um, you know, Jesus. saying she's being inappropriately touched, just having transphobic comments all the time not being able to shower because they won't let her shower separately and, you know, people not doing suicide watches when they should do because they say that it, they don't have time, that kind of thing. So, you know, so I was telling Pink News this um, because I think people should know, you know, about yeah. what the conditions are in jail. And subsequent to that, um, she was, like, threatened, um, is what she told me, Um 
by someone in the jail saying that she shouldn't talk to the press, which she hadn't, you know, not spoken to the press. Um, and, yeah, and, you know, I think she was just so fed up of being in a men's jail and feeling that, you know, the way that the rules are now, the chances of her being transferred to a female jail seem like they're really slim. So she went on a hunger strike. Um, and yesterday I was really, really worried because she was saying she was refusing liquids as well. Um, and actually today she's, um, said she's actually stopped that hunger strike now, um, because she was told that if she didn't stop after 10 days, they would start force feeding her. Um, so, you know, I mean, I feel really mixed on that, but obviously I'm really relieved that she's eating and drinking and about her physical health. But at the same time, you know, my understanding is generally people shouldn't be force fed <laughs> on hunger strike. And, and, you know, I think people tend to hunger strike because they've got so little kind of ability to have control over their lives and to be able to actually protest about what's happening to them. Um, so, yeah, so it's just really grim, I suppose, um, that she's in that situation where she's got so little control over over what's going on. Um, I'm hoping, I think she's moved on to a different floor now because she was under observation and now hopefully she'll be uh, at least not on this in exactly the same place as she was before. Um, but, but yeah, so those were the sorts of things that were happening. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, um, I can, I can talk on, but I don't know <laughs> if you've I, got I, specific I things. I mean, one thing I'm wondering say. is if you're, uh, aware of, um, uh, activist groups like the Prisoner Solidarity Network, because you were talking about some of the conditions, and we uh, we interviewed them a while ago on the show, and they were talking to us about the conditions in British British prisons recently. Um, and I don't know if they might be of any help to Sarah in any way. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they will be. I think there might be some people involved in that who are involved in the campaign, although Prisoner Solidarity Network, as such, um, hasn't you know ha haven't haven't been involved at the moment, but. Um, yeah, we're still kind of building everything up. It's been really, really hectic. Um, so I'm definitely wanting to reach out to whatever, whatever groups, uh, quite broadly, really, in terms of supporting their campaign. Um, because I think it's a basic human rights issue. And there's also issues about freedom of speech, freedom to protest, about prisoners' rights, as well as obviously friends' rights. Um, so, I think it's actually really broad and there's a lot of people that should be supporting this for all of those reasons. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I, I, I was just saying before you came on, like, I think that there's people shying away from uh, offering like outright support for her because and I, I personally think that it's a, it's a moral cowardice because this is an issue that, as you say, is so broad and like um, uh, you were just saying about her hunger strike, you know, that they, that they, um, threatened to force feed her and she had to end the hunger strike right um that's like force feeding is 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 torture like that's not like them them being so comfortable to um to deploy this like it's it's um it's shocking like there, there's there are so many layered problems here that people should be really really angry about and should be talking about and shouldn't be just worried that some 
reactionary will say, well, she did a crime before, so she's not a person and doesn't deserve human rights. Mm. Right. Yeah. So yeah, um, I mean, what, uh, what, like, I don't, you go on. No, I was just going to say on the issue of, you know, previous crimes, it's like she was in for, for 30 years um, and those crimes were 30 years ago. And I feel like it's as though people that are on license that have committed crimes before are kind of held to a higher standard than just people, other people. And like a lot of people that are on license have had, you know, huge amounts of people have got mental health conditions, have had traumatic things that have happened in their past. So all sorts of reasons that can actually make it more difficult, you know, and, you know, certainly in terms of, um, the speech that she made. I mean, that was something done in the moment, you know, on impulse. And, and she's still adjusting to life on the outside. Cause when someone's been in jail, um, it seems like it's a whole different set of rules, a whole different society. And you're cut off from everybody. And what is expected of you out in the outside world is really quite different. And yet people are held up to, you know, expected to behave better than anybody else um, with very little support. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So. I th- this um, I didn't know the term on license, but yeah, that's uh, another thing I was saying about this issue is like, um, yeah, pe- the, there being a, a class of people who have just a, a completely separate relationship to the law. This oh. is another compounded issue. Like we, we can't just have uh, some people could just like so- some people can can have full access to freedom of speech and some people mm-hmm. uh can can make a you know a um a, like somewhat careless remark or or you know uh, like well have a higher burden is the point like the, the rules are much mm-hmm. tighter on them and they might not even be aware of them and then break them and then go straight back to prison immediately but but moreover um uh, uh Sarah's parole officer was not actually pursuing this right and then the home office stepped in in response to like transphobes on twitter uh, calling for her to be arrested and and made this happen. That's I think a huge part of this story that we should be focusing on. Mm. Yeah, I mean, and I think it kind of goes to show how somebody else would have been treated as well. So the initial response from the police was no further action needed to be taken, and she actually initiated a, a meeting with her probation because she thought it might be an issue. And you know, we've got it in writing. We've got a letter in writing headed at the top decision not to recall you know yeah they did have issues with what she said but on the whole she'd been doing really well not had any recent warnings they felt that any risk she posed could be managed in the community that she didn't need to go to jail um and all of that was in writing and yet both agencies both the police and probation changed their mind like 48 hours later um so yeah i i mean it's I can't see it as anything other than this is political influence. Which makes her a political prisoner. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't think somebody else, they would not have been imprisoned for this. And you could say, well, she was on license or whatever, but at the end of the day, if she hadn't said what she said, she wouldn't be in prison. And that's the reason she's in prison. And other people wouldn't have been if it wasn't for the political background. And it just seems wrong to me that, you know, a Home Secretary can send a tweet and that that has such a huge influence over, 
you know, agencies that are supposed to be separate from ministers, they're supposed to be independently assessing these things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's, it's quite clearly like um, such an overreach of state power um and you know we're seeing this in so many different avenues of like politicized um sort of like discussion like you know we're seeing it with climate activists we're seeing it with like um you know obviously with with sarah jane baker and it's just like this this vile um um environment it's it's a hostile environment to anyone who stands up to uh, systemic injustices, right? Whether it's climate injustice, whether it's uh, uh, injustice from, uh, you know, lack of healthcare for trans people, lack of protection for trans people, you know, um, and it's like, it's just, you know, everything, everything that Sophie said and you've said is is just, I just can't, I can't really say anything better, to be honest. It's it's literally like everybody, everybody should be so disgusted by this. Um and again, like, you know, it is, it is that people are, are afraid to, to, to jump into things such as, you know, uh, uh, prison abolition, uh, and the idea that like someone can, can, you know, have done something in the past that may have been, you know, bad or whatever, but you know, that was such a long time ago. It has no, it has no bearing on, on a person, uh, a person's development or story or, or whatever, uh, or like what they're doing now or like what they're saying now. Well, I especially think that us on the left, right, like Eugene Debs said, while there is a criminal element, I am of it. While there is a working class, I am in it. And while there is a soul in prison, I am not free. And I just think that like this, um, I just can't find different words to describe it than moral cowardice. I I think that people should be outraged. and I think people should be talking about this. Um, And I'm glad to hear that Pink News has been supportive, but um, we need better than this. We need we need much, much more. uh, like well to on that uh besides um besides media outlets uh doing more and covering it more uh what could what can what can average people do to help sarah yeah so we're trying to set up as much as we can um there's lots of things people can do um so we're having demo demonstrations outside every time that there's a court on so the next demo is on tuesday the 22nd at 10 a.m. at Westminster Magistrates Court. And then for her trial, she's going to be at the City of London Magistrates Court. And again, we'll be there from 10 a.m. Uh, we've got an email address. People can send messages of support. You know, that's really important um, because she is obviously feeling isolated and really appreciates everybody's support. We've got several social media channels which people can can share things. If people do have contacts with the press, you know, please do put us on touch and help us that way. Um, and we're planning future events. So um, expecting there to be an event probably beginning of October. Uh, there's people in Brighton that have set something up for the 3rd of September. Um, I think people in Bristol are planning something as well. So it's not just London people, you know, people have got groups around the country that are able to put things on. Um, that's all good. Um, she's got a poetry book coming out, which uh, will be available at the demo on the 31st. So um, doing poetry readings, um, sharing news of that. And just if people have got ideas, like there's a lot of people that are artists, photographers, 
um, people with different creative skills. You know, we're going to have kind of those kind of events going on as well. And Sarah's always been one to collaborate with people. So, you know, doing stuff together is great. Um, people can message us via the website as well and just say, you know, if there's stuff they're interested in or they think they can help I know with. she she loves the violin, right? Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. So she plays violin. She's a great guitarist. Uh, she's an artist. She's written books and poetry and all sorts of stuff. And, um, yeah, so there's people around that have got those same skills as well. Um, so, you know, using that and collaborating, having exhibitions and poetry reading nights and in the all music nights, all, all kinds of different stuff um, is kind of, haven't got a lot of confirmed dates, but there's there's things that are penciled in that we should be announcing soon. Um, I was just going to say, in terms of the thing of people kind of being cautious about supporting the campaign, you know, I think a point to make as well is, you know, what she said, it was, I think it's like a performative thing, you know, at a demo um, in the heat of the moment. Um, and she apologised for it. Um, I don't know if people have seen, there was a very widely shared video that she asked us to take when she was arrested, where she was really clear, you know, that she regrets what she said and she didn't mean any offence. Um, so, you know, it's like you don't have to kind of feel like, yeah, that was a really good thing to say in order to support her. You know, the point is, is people shouldn't be sent to jail for stuff like that. It's also, it was at Trans Pride. It's a very, it's it's undeniably significant that the transphobes have organised together to have a trans woman arrested and sent to a men's prison after giving a speech at Trans Pride. And again, like, you don't have to fully support the contents of what she said to mm. be outraged about that and see it as a threat to all trans people because it's meant to be. That's the point. Mm. Yeah, plus I mean, people have said, so. sorry, Anita. Um, no, no, carry on. People have said um, much, much worse things about trans people, and they've not gone to jail for it. Mm -hmm. So you know, wh wh whose whose speech are we policing here? You know what I mean? Um, just for the benefit of the podcast listeners, Anita, could you tell us what the email is um, for sending messages to? Sarah? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, the website address is www freesarahjanebaker.com um, and all of the other links are kind of listed there. Sorry, I can't quite remember the whole... The whole no worries. No worries. Um, but yeah, all the links are there. So Facebook's Free Sarah Jane Baker. Twitter is Free Sarah J Baker. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, the Instagram, I think, is just Free Sarah Jane Baker as well. So... Um, I, I just wanted to say as well, like, in terms of, yeah, how people treat something. I was having conversations with, you know, some older comrades that um, were involved in the miners' strike. And I think particular, there was a speech particularly by Neil Kinnock, who was condemning, you know, miners for sometimes, you know, doing things that maybe were inadvisable or that they regret afterwards when they're on strike. And it's like, I think you don't, when people are fighting oppression, you know, and they're part of a movement and they're trying to fight for something progressive and they're constantly, like, I mean, Sarah's been beaten up by transphobes, you know, constantly being goaded, um, 
to, to focus on, oh, oh, they, they, they lost control a bit and were reckless at one point in time and, and, and clamp down on them for that rather than actually support them as people that overall are fighting, fighting against oppression and for human liberation. I think it's a, it's a real lack of, of solidarity. Um, yeah. Very and, disappointing. Yeah. Well, and also, I mean, uh, to return to it being trans pride, there are people saying things on this level at trans pride and not every one of them is getting litigated and prosecuted over it because it is all understood, just like you're saying, as like a heat of the moment. They are part of a big movement that is responding to, as Mule said, like much, much worse stuff all the time. And like you constantly goaded and then and then like people get together to feel safe and to feel empowered and they end up saying stuff like this. And this is what I'm saying about, about trans pride is that like, I'm I'm sure hundreds of people said the same, maybe even the exact same words that day. And they're not, they're not being prosecuted over it. And at the very least, those hundreds of people should be people who are saying, no, fuck that. Like she shouldn't be prosecuted because I've said stuff like that. You know, that's what they should be saying. Um, mm. And they should be standing up for her. Um, but really, everyone who went to trans pride, everyone who feels like they support trans people at all, everyone who thinks that prisoners should be treated like human beings, everyone who thinks that the Home Office shouldn't be allowed to act as a uh, just a, a fascist overreach machine that can completely go over the head of the entire legal system and just imprison people because, you know, their their fashy fans on Twitter said so. It's a huge... It, yeah, it just, it just can't be overemphasized what a broad issue this is and how many things tie into it and how little it's um proportionally to that how little it's being uh picked up on and for sarah herself it's really freaking tragic as well you know she was in prison for such a long time and had such a rubbish time um and you know was out here and trying to kind of you know deal with issues and adjust to this outside world and do a lot of campaigning and you know i think she's given a lot of people confidence in 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 her in her trans campaigning as well in particular and to then like send her back to jail we traumatize her you know it's it's just the worst thing to do for someone i say if you wanted a society where you want people to be you know, well-adjusted and able to participate and reach their potential and everything else, you know, sending somebody back to jail for this kind of reason is like the worst thing you could do. It's It just isn't helpful for anybody. You know, she's no risk to anybody. And, yeah, it's it just doesn't make any sense if what you're trying to do is have, you know, a peaceful society where people have got any level of human rights. Yeah, I completely agree. I feel like I'm always just like the abolitionist guy that just says the really token things all the time. But I just want to um, maybe mention just to the audience that it's like, um, you know, if you're still kind of kicking around some of these ideas, I like to talk to people about the idea of like, okay, there's like this crime that, you know, we say she is committed by, you know, like encouraging violence or anything like that. But then to like consider um like the violence of uh imprisonment and you know prison and like the institution of prison in itself and it's kind of like this mistake that you know that she made that she's apologized for and you know said the stuff well what you know like you know she's she said that you know she was you know like kind of lost a cool said this thing whatever like that she didn't mean it she's very sorry and all this kind of stuff like 
is like so inconsequential compared to the violence that has been inflicted on her by the state by locking her up you know um and this is this is something that is like it's we're just supposed to accept that that's a normal thing that you know that the government just can do to you you know and especially in this case where it's like it's literally the government you know she's a political prisoner this wasn't like oh you know she's a dangerous criminal and we need to get her off the streets to protect people whatever it's like no she went you know the parole officer said okay no this is you know like all right, I think you're in the clear. And then, you know, TERFs on Twitter punished the home office and, you know, just uh, bullied the home office into actually being like, no, actually, that's not okay. We're going to go arrest her. Um, Yeah, and that's just something that we're just supposed to accept that, like, we just have to live with that something. And especially as, like, people that are involved in activism and people that are in, like, you know, radical political spaces and stuff. It's kind of like that thing where it makes you think, like, well you know, like, okay, maybe it's, you know, maybe it's Sarah today, maybe tomorrow it's, you know, like, I don't know uh, if any of you saw it, but when the Christchurch shooter happened down here, there was like, you know, like everyone on Facebook and everything, everyone in the rallies was like fucking, you know, punch a Nazi in the face or whatever like that. And it's like, that's a, you know, it's like a similar call to violence, you know, it's a similar, you know, it's attack a attack a fascist or whatever like yeah, that. Absolutely. But there was this un- there was this understanding that it was like, okay, this this really terrible thing has happened to our community and this is a this is an expression of frustration. This is, you know, like this kind of thing. Um so the yeah, the way that it's just like for some people it's not okay to things say things like that and that you can actually be imprisoned for that, I think is something that um that a lot of people should really think about that. And, I yeah. um I also think on top of that, Tim, that what everybody listening has to remember is that the the you know this kind of government we have in the UK, you know this 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 essentially they're they're testing out super fascist policies, they're testing out super you know what I mean oppressive policies where it's like okay um let's see if we can just get um a trans woman arrested for saying a thing right and it's like oh okay like everyone's kind of fine with that um so where does that stop like you said like it it could be it could be uh you know sarah jane baker this week it could be people just saying punch nazis next week it could be people saying punch nazis this week it could be anyone who follows red planet next week and all the hosts do you know what i mean it's like where where does that stop you know what i mean when when people talk about like a slippery slope it's it's often like a fallacy right and it's like oh you know this could lead to this this could lead to this yeah yeah so they only ever talk about it about like um you know like gay marriage or something like that they never want to talk about it about like oh they you know like encroaching fascism of course of course so again you know as we've been saying Every single person who has any sort of like anti-fascist bone in their body should be like fucking disgraced by this, disgusted by this. Like you should, you should be fucking incensed um, that such a thing can happen. So that's uh, that's my input, really. The the classic thing that um that the classic classic example that a lot of people talk about when they're talking about like you know like the encroaching kind of fascism or stripping of rights and anything like that is like the boiling frogs thing where it's like um if you if you boil a pot of water and you throw a frog in it you know it jumps right out but if you put a frog in a pot of normal you know room temperature water and slowly turn the heat up it'll just stay there and cook which is you know horrific thing to do to a frog sorry to sorry to vegan 
Red Planet fans for <laughs> yeah, that one. But um, but uh, yeah, and it's like the same thing. You know, it's like one time one day you just look around and you're just like, oh yeah, all these like all these little things that were happening to you know other people or whatever like that. Now it's you know like now it's us. You know, um, yeah. Also, getting uh, getting producers note that um, no, they actually have to put a, a lid on the pot. The frogs do jump. <laughs> but, um, I am. Um... That is well, a I, that is a classic metaphor. The, the <laughs> other metaphor that I, I I talked about this before at some point in my work, um, the um, the Holocaust Memorial in Berlin is um, a series of big grey slabs that are set up as pillars, and they're roughly the size of a coffin, you know, from above each. But they're these tall like monoliths, right? And you you can walk through the monument, you can walk through the memorial, and it's it's like the ground is is moving at the same time that the slabs are getting taller. And so like the ground generally like dips into the middle of the thing. So as well as like the slabs themselves going up, the ground goes down. I think this is like the subtlest and smartest part of this art piece is that like, you don't notice the ground under your feet getting lower, you know? You can notice like they're all going up and from the outside, they're just tiny little things you could accidentally trip over. But from the inside, like you're completely boxed in. And it's not just that they got bigger, it's that like the ground underneath you changed. And, you know, I think that the, that is the nature of these two things we're seeing, right? Is like at the same time, like fascists are getting bolder in the UK. Like someone at the, um, someone at the Honor Oak drag queen, uh, drag brunch um, turning point UK protest was doing uh, Hitler salutes and got, and got reprimanded for it. Um, you know, that's like these pillars rising, but at the same time, like, the state giving into uh, the slightest pressure from just turfs on Twitter and then like, yeah, imprisoning, imprisoning someone at the drop of a hat. Um, that's the ground changing underneath our feet at the same time. Like that's the, the, the basic like uh, things we rely on in society shifting to, to appease them and make the entire situation worse. Mm. Um it kind of reminds me as well of, sorry, I, I won't remember the details of it, but, you know, the sort of classic poem kind of relates to the Holocaust of, you know, they came yeah, from Martin Niemöller's, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I didn't do anything because I wasn't a Jew and, you know, eventually there's no one left for me. And when you think of the Holocaust, you know, one of the very early groups that were targeted were trans people then as well. And, you know, I feel like it's, it's somehow still more socially acceptable to have a go at trans people than to have a go at, at lots of lots of other groups. Um, but it's it's all related, you know. When you look at the people that are behind transphobia, they don't want abortion, they don't want um, gay marriage, and these things, you know, all come together. And which is, you know, just another reason why that solidarity is is so important is like it's not I mean Sarah kind of often makes the point it's not really about being trans it's about human liberation and being able to have freedom and live as you want to live and you know these same people are I mean Owen Jones I think did a good thing the other day on on LBC about the the stabbings and how this is some of the result of transphobia is the same people that are transphobic, they don't like any difference in gender expression. You know, they don't they don't like gay people or lesbians either. And the gays and lesbians. No, I, just to just sorry, gay, I mean, yeah. just on the out on the street on Lon- in London, like a lot of the time that I receive 
abuse like it is homophobic slurs because they you know it's just to a bigot it's all a spectrum of like people who are being more mm. feminine than i think they should be mm. you know whether mm. that's being a completely uh otherwise you know masculine man who also dates men or mm. uh being a trans woman it, it's mm. all an unacceptable level of um you know queerness um yeah absolutely yeah. i agree with like, and, you know, it's, it's all part of a culture war of the government kind of deflecting attention from the rubbish job at maintaining public services and doing anything decent with the economy. They want scapegoats. And as part of doing that, it's like groups of people that are othered and that are seen as 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 not proper humans. You know, that's, I think, what the bigotry is at the end of the day, is people feeling like, you know, trans people aren't proper humans, migrants aren't proper humans, it's fine to stick them, you know, and you talk about jail and what you go to jail for, you can get away with knowingly putting migrants that are probably fleeing from horrendous circumstances onto a barge with legionnaires, um, but say something off the cuff at trans pride and you get, you get put in jail. Um, I just wanted to say as well on what, what you're saying about, you know, the nature of prison um like I knew you know I'd heard from people about how bad prison was um and obviously from Sarah herself you know before this happened but I think when you've got somebody that you love and suddenly they're taken away and like from the court taken to a jail where nobody knows where she is she's not got any phone numbers not able to contact anybody and so for anybody with even if you haven't got mental health problems, that's going to be really traumatizing and dehumanizing and horrible. And it just makes me kind of feel on much more of a visceral level, like the the power that the state has just to pick somebody up out of society and take them away and nobody even know where they are. And that's normal. It's like that is what happens to people when they get sent to jail and that, that was one of the main things that john from prisoner solidarity network said to us it's like you feel the full force of the state mm, mm. and like sarah says so many of the people that are in jail with her have got such serious serious mental health issues i mean i'm a nurse and i feel like if my patients on the open ward were displaying some of these symptoms they absolutely would be transferred to a psychiatric hospital, if at all possible, unless they had overwhelming physical needs. And, you know, and yet that it's that doesn't happen in jail. It's like it's just accepted that everyone has really serious mental health issues and they get locked up for 23 hours a day with no therapy, no input to address anything. And it just feels like, it sounds like just an old style asylum, like by and large, you know, that because what, you know, she's saying and describing to me, you know, they're just, they're just criminalizing mental health issues and, and locking people in away for 23 hours a day. Um, it's just a, a, a dreadful way to treat people and certainly doesn't help anybody that is behaving in a dangerous way treating them like that is not in any way helpful to anybody um yeah um you know i, I two two things i want to say on that like one you know it is just the state kidnapping people and they may have a justification for it based on rules that they you know say that we've all agreed on um but it, it is ultimately people being just like taken by the state and, and kidnapped and and on that like um, in London, especially, I've noticed this 
uh, as the police has been expanded, um, you know, let's not fuck around with this. In response to the Wayne Cousins situation, right? They 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 put more more police onto the street after Sarah Everard was killed. Uh, when people were actively asking for less police, when people were protesting the police, uh, they they responded by by adding more police. Um, and 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 part and part of that expansion, like something I've really noticed in that time, is the number of unmarked police cars has shot up. And I don't know if this is some justification that they've got the cars, but they haven't yet decaled them or whatever. Like, I don't know if they've got any kind of internal justification for this, but it is so many more functionally cop cars in disguise that you don't know a cop cars until suddenly the siren goes off and the lights start flashing from under the grill. And, you know, I've seen some of these that are just black vans. Right. And I'm just like, if, if a black van pulls up, right? And a guy gets out and he's wearing a stab-proof vest and a little camera and he says, I'm a police officer and you have to get in this black van right now, right? It's like, firstly, if you are a police officer, I know what Wayne Cousins did, so fuck off. <laughs> like, right, right. And, but, but secondly, what what like uh, even slight air of legitimacy are we supposed to believe in you know, it's it's just got to a point where we, we have we have just unmarked cars full of uh, plainclothes cops, you know, who don't need to prove to any to prove to you in any serious way that they are like the the special class of person who gets to do that stuff to you. But even then, they shouldn't get to do that stuff to you. It's just the 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 the, the levels of like lunacy in it. Um, yeah, yeah. The the idea that an unmarked car can just pull anyone in off the side of the street. It's like. If you really, like, when you really think about that, like, how, like, how fucked up and how wild that is. And it's like, I've, there's been conversations I've had with people where I've talked about things like that. And they're just like, that doesn't happen. Like, that's just something that happens, like, you know, in like a fucking Jason Bourne movie or something like that. It's like, no, it, it does happen. It probably just doesn't happen to like, you know, like, maybe like you, like the, you know, the like people that look like you or people that you hang out with or whatever like that. It might be not right. happening to you, but it's happening to people and whether it's like yeah. you know, it's um you know, it was like one of the scariest stories in the like that. Like, it was one of the scariest stories in the George Floyd uprisings. Yeah. I remember this. There was a van pulled up and some dudes got out and they had, you know, military, <laughs> you know, military style uh mm. gear and equipment and they were like, get in the van, come with us to this person and abducted this person off the street. And then like in processing what had just happened afterwards everyone was like fuck there was no even claim that they were police we just like went along with the idea that they were police and that's utterly chilling you know Mm. um anyway the the second thing i wanted to say was that anita thank you for mentioning migrants because this is like you know an example of where solidarity in the british left is really strong is um is is lesbians and gays support the migrants right and this is the kind of solidarity that we need to build and recognize we need people looking across at each other's struggles and like helping each other out. And, uh, you know, this is somewhere where I would love to see just a lot more solidarity for prisoners in general from the British left, because uh, I think that like, I think that there is this, I think there is this pernicious cycle with the British media that they've, that, you know, the, 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 the Murdoch press has really sharpened to a, an exact science with like how they tell us the public that we are bigoted and then because they're telling us this many pe- this proportion of people think this thing and act this way and hold these beliefs people start to just adopt them um 
because they think they're more normal and then it becomes true they essentially you know they print these headlines and they and they they turn it into reality and um you know i think because of that there is this 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 uh long running cycle of, of 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 british brain against migrants against queer people but you know against prisoners as a huge one is this idea that like um you know well they did something wrong so they don't deserve anything at all is a huge feature of british brain and because of that the british left frequently just like either implicitly agrees with it which i think is again morally bankrupt or morally cowardly because they are they're saying well I can't get Keith in Swindon to think that prisoners are human beings. So I won't bother to act with solidarity for prisoners. And it's like, come on, like acting with solidarity towards, to, towards prisoners, like can mean that we all act that way and we can be enough to make a difference. We can actually do it. Whether the Stevenage woman that, uh, that uh, Keir Starmer is trying to appeal to who always vote, votes Tory agrees with it or not. Like we are enough. Um, yeah. And we've got it's, to support prisoners. And it's like such a thing with, um, you know, like conservative parties where uh, one of their like fallback things, especially when it comes to election year, which we're seeing a lot of down here at the moment is like the tough on crime kind of rhetoric sort of thing. So you get like these like mainstream kind of conservative parties where it's like they like they will do absolutely anything to criminals and prisoners in an election year, you know, it's just like, like they, yeah, it's like, it's such a, I think it is like a very like wedge thing for a lot of kind of um, conservative and liberal kind of voters where they, um, you know, like they just assume that like if someone's in jail, it's because they're bad, you know, and it's because it's, it's, better for them to be there and you know and then like the more conservatives will be like someone is in jail it's because they they don't deserve any rights or anything like that whereas like it's kind of like you know even like the liberal people that are like you know like we should put bad people in jail sort of thing i think like you know we can push back on that with like a lot of liberals but um yeah anyway um the like the conservative thing where it's like tough on crime. I mean, it's like, you know, like stricter sentencing and all these kind of things like that. It's just such a, um, like it's, it's a tool to them, you know, it's like, they don't even think about the individual prisoners or the people or anything like that. It's just like the rhetoric. It's just like the tools that they're using and stuff. And then like, you know, they'll promise all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, before you know it, there's like people in the street, like over here, yeah. a lot of the things comes back to gangs and um, like gang crime or whatever like that where if you were to ask a person on the street, like the average newspaper or reader or whatever like that, they would think that like the streets are just filled with filled with gang crime. Like everywhere you look, like you pick up a stone and there's like a mongrel mob guy, like selling meth to a child or some shit like that, which is just not the case whatsoever, but it's like, they need to create this idea of, um, you know, like an omnipresent kind of threat or whatever like that to sell the tough on crime rhetoric and you know and then it's like you get these people that are you know you get the prisoners or whatever that are just like the victims of you know this whole kind of like this is propaganda war that is essentially just for securing votes you know um and i think there's yeah uh the tough on crime stuff is something that like i think a lot of people don't think about it as being just pure like it's like it's a culture war kind of thing but it does have like this this very real like there are these people that are involved in this that you know all these like 
thousands and thousands of people if not millions that are just like locked up that like you know like in most places in the world like prisoners don't even get to vote or anything like that and they're like these um you know like they're just kind of getting passed around in this like battle yeah. on the outside or whatever and it's um yeah. like uh yeah there's there's been a lot of campaigns down here about you know like getting prisoners the right to vote with you know like some success and stuff but i think that's also something that a lot of people should think about like um you know if you're at home and you're you're not sure, like maybe look into, is there, you know, can prisoners vote in my state or in my country or whatever? Cause it's really interesting when you start thinking about like the denial of rights and things like that. And, you know, anyway, sorry, you were going to say something. So. Oh, sure. I mean, no, what was I going to say? Oh, it was incredibly shit posty and irrelevant. I'll say it anyway. Um, <laughs> if I were, if I were to engage in political cartoons, the, the lowest form of human art, right. Like for Aotearoa, it would be like the some like uh, British expat who's reading like national propaganda. It's just like there are mongrel mob guys every five feet along the pavement yeah. outside. You can see that like it's just a beautiful sunny day and there's nothing yeah. there. And he's just going like, "Damn, it's nearly as bad as what I'm reading about Britain." You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, I just find I, I find cowardice over rhetoric like so. Um, spectacularly pathetic because i think that i think the left often has this like feeling like we need to uh keep close to where the right is right we we have to remain within the same conversation we can't just start speaking on utterly alien terms to them and it's like firstly the right have already done this right they have their own reality they have QAnon and they have the the ulez conspiracy theories and all of this like nonsense right like and that's entirely just speaking to their own audience who won't be able to pause the mainstream conversation. And so, like, maybe we need to have leftist representatives in the mainstream conversation who keep within that conversation, right? But, like, we we should absolutely just be talking straightforwardly and honestly to a leftist audience and to each other about this stuff, uh, you know, in honest terms. Because it's not honest to, like, to talk like prisoners deserve any less rights, right? It, they don't. <laughs> It's not honest to talk like prison is a thing that should even exist. It yeah. shouldn't, right? Mm-hmm. Um, go, Anita, do you have a, you want to yeah. say something? Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, it sounds like, you know, what you're talking about is people sort of abandoning their principles um, to chase votes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I think that's what some of it comes down to. And I think, you know, I mean, I'm a socialist. That's my my background but um you know if you, if you want to change things then you actually have to win people over to your ideas and you certainly don't win people over to your ideas if you don't actually say what your ideas are um you know it's it's just the wrong way around if you want to chase anything and you're just chasing the whatever the media says people believe well you're not going to get very far um i mean in terms of prisoners i think you know, it is like all the tabloid stuff, but I think it's really, really embedded as well. Like even if you think about dramas or you think about crime novels and all of this thing, like I've learned a lot through knowing Sarah um, in terms of, you know, and question like your own assumptions about what do you think a bad person is? Like what does that actually mean? And if somebody in certain circumstances, like, you know, you see it all the time, like with war or something like that, where somebody behaves in certain circumstances in a way that they never would have thought that they could or would behave in. And it's like Sarah's circumstances were extreme growing up. I've never been in that situation. I don't know what I'm capable of 
if I was put into certain situations, I just don't know. And, you know, if somebody does do something that is, you know, really hurt somebody, um, it's that, that hurt. I like, I don't like the sort of, sometimes I feel like people are kind of trying to minimize that hurt as well. And it's, you know, the victims of crime, uh, victims of violence can be traumatized for the rest of their lives. Um, but that's not the only thing in about the person that did that. You know, it's like if something dreadful has happened, if you've done something dreadful, it's it's like how do you move on from that? How, you know, that person's still alive, and that's not everything about that person, and that's their person at like that worst moment in their life. And to just, it's really complicated, you know, and just to sort of class people as that's a bad person and that's a good person. Um, it, it's, I just don't believe that that's the way that humans are. And, you know, if we're not addressing people's circumstances and mental health needs and physical needs and educational needs and all, all of the things that, you know, people know are kind of risk factors. Um, then people just don't stand a chance. Um, I've slightly lost the thread of my point, but no, I, yeah, I think you're right. Mark Fisher said, "If the phys- if the figure of um, discipline is the worker prisoner, the figure of control is the debtor addict." And you know what he's saying about the figure of discipline being the worker prisoner, right? Is that there's this dichotomy between ordinary brackets good people and exceptional brackets bad people, right? And it's like if you're not a worker, you're going to wind up being a prisoner. So this system that we've built is if you're not working, right, it's not technically illegal not to work. But if you're not working, but you expect to have, say, a house, uh, uh, power on in that house, water running in that house, food to eat, connection to the internet, you know, like the things that people need for their day to day, right, then without working and therefore receiving a wage, you're going to run into some kind of crime sooner or later, right? And so either, so, so functionally, we, you are either a worker or you are a prisoner. And, I, you know, this is like, this extends out to, I don't know, the DWP, right? If people aren't familiar, the, the, the UK Department of Work and Pensions, people who are on benefits are functionally treated as a prisoner, right? They are a prisoner of bureaucratic systems. It is not the same as being a prisoner in prison by any stretch, but it's horrifying. And the conditions for a lot of people... I've been on benefits. My family has received various like uh, benefits from the from the DWP uh, when I was growing up. Uh, you know, I have a lot of familiarity with this, and like it is, uh, it is the other place where you see an enormous like share of the power of the state is the way that it controls people's lives and demands that they act exactly so. Um, and um, all of that, in terms of public discourse, relies on the deeply ingrained idea that people who are not good workers who do as they're told are bad, like ontologically evil, deep down of serious problem with them, you know? And that firstly is, you know, a horrifyingly like eugenicist idea, right? Because a lot of the people uh, that the DWP are giving benefits to are, poor, you know, of course, poor people, uh, disabled people, single parents, right? Uh, and people of color. So like, of course, all of this is implicitly shading everyone that a eugenicist would label out as like people to get rid of from society as bad ones, right. Who should be treated differently. Um, but, you know, again, like it, it treats, it, treat, it treats different, these different classes of people, like they have different ethical value. 
And therefore, when we're having ethical conversations, we just shouldn't really count them. You know, we, we, we should count them as a zero, not a one in that conversation. They don't get anything that you would weight and, and consider and multiply in that calculation of what they deserve. None of it matters because they're the bad kind of person. Right. So they just don't don't interact with the world in that way. They simply go through it in an utterly different way. And it's just well, it's despicable. But yeah, as you said, it is deeply ingrained. Um, and we have to just start resisting that because, like, for one, I mean, how many <laughs> how many people like already know someone who is in this other category? I think one thing that's really important in pointing out is like I just said, like people who uh receive benefits are treated in in like a functionally treated in this category although their treatment is not the same um but they're not a worker who's doing what they're told who's being a productive member of society according to this ideology um and so we should understand the solidarity between everyone in this other category and then we'll realize there are actually far more of us than there are of uh the people imposing this system and furthermore like the threat against the threat against supposedly normal workers uh, is itself, you know, we, this is something we can explain to people. This threat itself is unacceptable. Um, but yeah, I think that I think that prisoner solidarity is just a deeply like essential socialist principle. I think um, yeah. I think uh, Ashran is, uh, in the Twitch chat has um, just reminded me of something. Um, you know, the Tories are desperate to rip up the human rights. Um, laws that were sort of like you know we're still sort of kind of adhering to um with the eu um and this is just kind of going to be one example of that you know this is again i was i was talking before about like you know they're trying to see how far they could push it this will be like the litmus test for like how how much can consent have we manufactured to be able to to do this to just anyone Right. Um, so again, if you're like, you know, uh, you know, we're all about the hopium here on Red Planet chat, uh, or listeners at home as well. Um, but you know, th- this is getting bad and it's going to keep getting bad. Um, and voting is not going to fix it because Keir Starmer is not, uh, uh, uh even remotely an option uh, against the Tories. Like, you know, just what a, um, you know, it- it's a complete joke. Like everybody should really be thinking about how, there is no hope in the elections right now for anything progressive to get in and how we need to now just start organizing. We just need to start organizing. Everybody needs to start organizing in the UK. It's, it's possibly one of the, the most important things I think that everybody should be talking about. Even if you just go into your fucking, um, you know, uh, if, if you're a labor member still for whatever stupid reason you know you 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 need to go uh to your local labor meeting and going listen let's be frank you know he's not doing anything we want to do we need to start talking to the trade unions again if you're not already talking to him if you're not already talking to your tenants union if you're not already uh you know furthermore for the record of the meeting he has a square head his head is square what's up with that (laughs) yeah very important uh you know Things to, these are good. These are important questions, um, everyone. So you need to be asking that stuff. Yeah, I, I think that it, it, you know we have to we have to really sort of like drive home just how much this is the start. Like it, it's going to be easier to have conversations with like Americans about this because we the the UK seems to be adopting 
uh, a US uh, a US style of policing uh and and you know we've it's it's been like that anyway but sort of very toned down um you know oh well the police in the UK don't have guns so it's not that bad you know like uh, oh they've only they've only you know beaten black people to death like they haven't shot them you know it's like these things happen but i guess like you know, nobody wants to talk about them in the UK, but like, it's getting more and more brutal. It's getting more and more, um, of an overreach. And, um, you know, this is something uh, the, the, really Met, the Met police about. absolutely have, uh, shot black people to death. Yeah, that's to... true as well. That's true as well. There are, there are definite like police, uh, departments in the UK that have done that. They have literally fucking done the thing. But again, it's, it's, it's this, it's this culture we have in the UK is like, we don't want to talk about that. We don't even want to, we don't even want to talk about how the police are, are awful. Like, you know, this, this is this is not just i think a a, a prison abolition uh conversation this is this is a, an o- overall encompassing like anti-fascist yeah. anti-cop mm-hmm. um <laughs> you know very progressive discussion that, that everybody needs to be yeah. having in every i think circle. i think there's a i think there's a tendency sometimes people have they're they're part of a, um an older um a dogmatic strain of of, of marxist socialist and they they think this is what the platform of the left is. So if protest is happening around this and in this way, then that's not uh, that's not then organizing the right way, right? And the classic, the biggest classic example of this would be workerism, um, like uh, socialists trying to say we must get the pro- the the industrial proletariat together. To and it's like, well, where's the industrial proletariat in the UK? Uh, they we don't have it anymore. They exported it. Um, but you know. Uh, rather you know a dialectical materialist rather than a historical one would look at the conditions that are now and one of the big clues to what conditions are now that people are upset about is what people are protesting about and the police is just a huge issue of our time prisons are a huge issue of our time and uh we're you know we're like leftists uh being part of any kind of political uh mainstream discourse are going to be utterly left behind if we don't embrace uh, prisoners' rights and and prison abolition and uh, police abolition um, uh, as 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 like fundamental pieces of our platform because like th- that is the stuff that people are actually steamed about and it is a workable you know keystone of building the ru- the, the larger project because anything is a workable keystone of building the, the larger project if it's the thing people are mobilized around now you know it's the thing that's yeah. got the energy it's got the thing that's got the momentum. Yeah, and... can I come back on oh, a bit sorry, of Anita. your? Ah, sorry, I was just going to come back on, on a bit of your politics since you're uh, we're having this like proper political conversation there. Uh, so yeah, like I said, I mean, my background's on, on the socialist, and um, and I want to say something you were saying earlier, Sophie, which I'm, I'm sure is um, implied is there is a group of people, obviously, who are not working and who are not in danger of going to prison, um, who, you know, I might consider criminals and lots of people might consider criminals as the disgustingly wealthy people that... And certainly bad uh, people. Suck all, suck all of the resources out of us. And um, and even for people that are working, you know, I sort of, always call it wage slavery, that, um, yeah, you have this level of freedom and it's, uh, I, I feel that people think they've got a lot more freedom than they have. Um, you know, as I said with Sarah's arrest, you walk around and I'm, I'm feeling a lot more vulnerable now than I was. You have this delusion that you've maybe got more rights and more say over your life than you have. But at the end of the day, you only earn enough for, to keep yourself alive and you don't save any money and you don't end up one of the wealthy ones, even if you think that you will. Um, 
I'm afraid I'm one of those sad people that uh, does go to some of the meetings and things that maybe some of you don't. Um, you know, I think in theory, my trade union should be able to organise and elect good leaders and put pressure on the Labour Party and get the Labour Party to represent them. Not that I'm not, uh, I've, you know, the Labour Party has never really represented working people, but the, the channels are there, you know, so I'm always in favour of people using the channels that are there and trying to push for something. But sadly, you know, it's it's. Uh, it, despite the huge number of strikes that there's been, um, I, I'm not sure that, that trade unions are really getting their voices heard in the way that, that they should. And even within trade unions, I'm not sure that members are getting heard enough by their leadership as they should. And it's hard to hold people to account. And it's a huge cultural thing, you know, of people not not really asserting themselves in trade unions. Um, but I think that it's, you know, use every tool in the box. It's like, uh, you, you know, to go do part. You know, I'm writing a, a motion that I'm going to circulate about Sarah for people to put uh, to meetings because I do think that there's uh, there's a point and there's a power in doing that. Um, but the the culture war is having a huge impact on on lots and lots of people, and it's it's a, a threat to the. You know, it's an ideological threat. Um, and being part of that and being part of demonstrations and of people who are trying to organize and fight against oppression is absolutely the, the job, uh, I believe, of every, of every Marxist, um, every socialist. That's absolutely part and parcel of the job. And you, you know, as you say, you try and change things, uh, where, where you can. Um, and, you know, ultimately, I think the organized working class is the agency to change things. Um, but, you know, that doesn't mean that you only address yourself to trade unions, you know, you, you meet people where they are. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I know I'm, I'm, I don't want uh, to be misunderstood as being like wholly anti-workerism. I think that exactly like you said, we should use every tool in the box. Um, and I think like uh, you could apply what I just said about like what people are mobilized around right now and equally say, as you just said, there have been a ton of strikes. People are mad about their working conditions and the organized working class is a huge thing that like we're seeing resurgent in the UK right now. Um, but just to just to like not let anyone like limit it to one thing because it's all solidarity, like the entire thing is solidarity. And like, um, you know, another, another common um, kind of critique point is that people think that all of say identity politics is part of the part of the neoliberal end of history simulation of politics is just this like complete like um uh non-materialist um entertainment like politics as entertainment bubble and it's like well firstly no because it does affect people's real material conditions which you know the, the each minority who is in turn scapegoated has like their, their actual material conditions worsened sarah wasn't in prison and now she is that's worsened material conditions right but um but also no if it's the thing that people are steamed about if it's the thing that people are mobilizing around then it's the thing that the left should be pouring into and using um because ultimately like it's all a game of momentum and the and the the state just wants to keep on immobilizing us so we should be trying to keep the ball rolling everywhere that the ball is rolling right and i definitely think like uh lobbying your trade union sorry organizing your trade union to lobby the labor party is definitely one of the lesser 
bad reasons to to still be a member. Well, yeah, no, hundred percent. If Labour would ever just ever to, listen to them, absolutely. Just just it to just clarify, will, just to it clarify. just will require the the yeah the the the, the Labour leadership being utterly replaced uh, for that to happen. I think because I you know. Starmer and Streeting are these these neoliberal tulpers, and it's just not like they're not gonna they're not gonna listen. Yeah. It, it may not be as true as it was, but um, I think that sometimes there's a point in talking to the members as well that it's um, you know that, you know get, get, getting a hearing for what, what you're saying. Um, yeah. Well, there's that, well, there's, there's ample opportunity to radicalize them. Mm, mm. I, I also think that like to some degree there should be some circ- circumventing of the Labour Party in in this regard of solidarity because. What you're saying there about like a movement, a motion to try and get the your trade union to support Sarah, like I think that's great, and I think that's an example of somewhere where like you know I think that um, in recent discussion I've kind of simplified down things that people are currently fighting on to about six points. Right, we've got uh, the networks of mutual aid to take care of one another. We've got prison abolition, borders, anti-fascism, um, uh, anti-capitalism, and climate change right are the, are the kind of uh, essentially the six fronts that we're on and solidarity between those can entirely circumvent um bourgeois electoralism like if if trade unions for example uh decided that like they wanted to share an anti-fascist solidarity now this would be an utterly radical step for modern trade unions because because a lot of them play in respectability politics a lot of them are like heavily corporatized um you could argue this makes them yellow unions I have before, um, but um, if they decided that they were going to like so- show serious anti-fascist solidarity and that there was going to be, you know, a unite union black bloc, or whatever, like you know that that is the kind of solidarity I'm talking about, where like there are huge numbers in in some areas in some of these fronts, right, of people who could be mobilizing in different directions, and those huge numbers would make an enormous difference on like difference on other fronts, um, and and kind of currently aren't, you know. So like if um, if yeah, and so again to revisit, like I, I consider um, all of the, the British queerphobia to be a, um, an example of um, uh, the anti-fascist struggle. Right, because it's 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 a fascist concern to try to take away our bodily autonomy, to stop people being trans, to stop people accessing abortion, uh, to stop people people uh, having uh, you know not being heterosexual. Um, this is this is all uh, um, stochastic and state terror, uh, uh, stochastic and state fascism, right? And um, so lesbians and gays support the migrants, right? Is solidarity across these fronts of anti-fascism and uh, border abolition? Right. Um, and this is the kind of thing I'm talking about, like that, whether we bother to, you know, slip in a memo and be like, hey, Keith, we're doing this, by the way, you should probably support the left, but you're not gonna, <laughs> but you probably should. Um, I think that I think that there is a there's a solidarity that we should uh, build, uh, you know, around um, any kind of left party. Uh, and when I say around, I mean, circumventing and they can engage with it if they want to. But um i think that we as the left in the in britain in the imperial core broadly like need to start taking steps towards like a power that can actually defend people and improve their material conditions because like uh, electoral politics is just letting us down i guess i think you know trade unions if they were strong and confident and properly representative and probably you know maybe to start with really taking on 
uh, uh, industrial struggle in, in, in a proper way. And I don't mean just, I just, I mean workplace struggle, not just factories or whatever, but whatever, whatever area they're in. Um, you know, that trade unions shouldn't be just limiting themselves to economic struggles that are at the height, you know, historically at the height of good trade union organization. Then they start to take on these uh, political issues as well. Um, and I know that there's, although, you know, I don't want to sort of downplay the dreadful state of many of our trade unions, but there are also some really dedicated activists in there and actually, you know, who do come to demos, you know, who are in favour of, you know, having trade unions, making donations to help some of the, the grassroots and community-based campaigns happen and trying to bring those politics into into the trade unions um so yeah i mean as, as i said i think that there's the organized working class is the agency to change things um i don't think that we should be you know too too stuck in terms of oh well which trade union or whatever or well, you know, you know, it may be that there's something that happens and the existing trade unions all fall apart and we have another mass trade union that, you know, can really help get people together to change things. Um, equally, the Labour Party might be smashed. And I mean, I think if Corbyn had come to power, it would have split there and then anyway. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's not about sticking with particular organisations for the point of it. Um, but having ways for people to, as you say, to organise, I think that there's something about organising as workers um, that if it actually happens properly, uh, it can, can, you know, take the levers of, of the control of society away from um, these parasites that are currently calling the shots. And this is totally off topic from Sarah, but that's just what I think. No, no, no. We're we're very big on this uh, building uh, dual power unions. <laughs> you know, establishing yeah. uh, councils of workers. What is what's, what's the Russian <laughs> word for that again? Can't remember. <laughs> yeah. Getting a bit carried away. But, uh, yeah, it's good. We're on board. Yeah, hundred percent. I think that I think you know maybe this is some uh, you know a, a worthwhile point in this is that like you just said um, when trade unions historically have been at their most powerful, they've been more democratic than they currently are. And I think that democratizing and taking steps to democratize workers' movements um, is the big thing that would shift uh, where they currently are, where, you know, you have the largest unions having like, um, you know, a, a properly corporate CEO who earns like a PMC wage um, and is like, you know, therefore like we have to question their kind of, implicitly their loyalty to the working class honestly right um and they're part of like an executive board that like gets to dictate policy for the whole the whole union and stuff um you know changing that to be seriously seriously democratic i think would um have the results i'm talking about so it's like when i'm when i'm uh, advocating that there should be this solidarity i'm not saying so you know go away and figure that out yourselves i'm saying like the the path to this is is the same thing that would make unions stronger which is getting members to to push on the things that they care about um you know i think there's like exactly like you said so many dedicated activists uh in so many of these unions and it's like um it's like yeah they they there are so many people across these across all these fronts and um the uh 
you'd, you'd think it would be an easy win for like the reactionary media to to point at like just up oil protesters and uh who are trans or whatever and say look it's the transgenders they're the ones who care about this thing and so all the loony left are all one 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 thing together but they actually don't focus on this too much and i think it i personally think it's because they're really scared of pointing out the solidarity that there are across these fights they're actually quite scared to, to show like well it's actually a lot of trans people who show up for this climate change stuff it's a lot of a lot of queer people are showing up um at these uh at these uh, these migrant uh de- you know border abolition demos or whatever uh there are there are uh people who are uh, from migrant families uh showing up to support trans rights and you know all of all this kind of stuff they actually don't want to point that out too much because they would be showing people caring about people who are you know slightly different from themselves but share in the same struggle and that would actually have the reverse effect on all of their readers they want to divide us not unite us exactly exactly <laughs> but yeah i i think that i guess um regarding um regarding workerism my main thing is just like it would it will all be working better if we push for making the unions more democratic absolutely <laughs> Yeah, and and I think that sometimes there's a thing in the left as well of people that, uh, which is probably partly where you're coming from, you know, ignoring dealing with the oppressions that are here today in in society today and kind of go, no, the main thing is, you know, the unions or whatever, which is totally just blinkered. (laughs) Socialism would be a carnival of the oppressed and, um, you know, it's, it's absolutely essential. Um, and, and when you talk about, you know, the effect on trans people of the culture war and what's happening, it's like, yeah, Sarah's so in jail. Also, lots of trans people can't even get any freaking employment and the rights in jail have been wound back. And, you know, they want to attack the Equality Act. And it's like, you know, in the outside world, Sarah, didn't know what toilet to use you know and it's just like she just walked on my side and and it's 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 just crazy and it's it and it it is I mean it seems to me anyway I'm not trans so I'm always looking at it from the outside but it it feels like there's just such a high level of persecution and it has such a bad effect on people and and yet, at the same time, despite all the media, I think when you actually look at the figures, I saw something Nadia Whitone put around about, you know, different groups of people's opinions about trans people, that most of the public either support trans people or just don't know about it and don't concern themselves with it. You know, it's like, as you're saying, the media is sort of blowing something up to try to convince you that most of the public think something. When they don't like the the miraculous thing is actually that despite all of that, you know, most of the public don't think that at all. Yeah, I th- yeah, yeah. Um, I was gonna say about like because that's that's the whole thing, right? Like someone, someone, I think it was Novara Media had a um, a, a, an Instagram post about this today where it was like they were quote tweeting. It was a screenshot from Twitter where they were quote tweeting. Um, you know the the news that now new buildings are going to have less gender neutral toilets and you know someone's quote tweeting this saying like yeah like i can't afford food and i think my nan's gonna die this winter like uh, i don't give a fuck about any of this you know like it's so obvious it's like where all the 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 worst 
bits of our society are and, and it's in government like everybody is seeing it so obviously for what it is it is such a, a a horrific minority and you see this you do see this when you go to anti-fascist counter demonstrations right you literally like um we'll we'll see how few fascists will turn up and overwhelmingly uh anti-fascists are there and and even like you know it, it, trade unions will be there and 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 like you know i i remember like talking about this one um that was at university of manchester and i was talking to someone in the tenants union about it and he said hang on a minute we should we should notify the 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 trade unions and stuff and i i told the organizers and they they felt that we had enough people but i think that even then like you know getting trade unions down like getting like a bunch a bunch more people down to just be like you know fuck fuck you fash like you're not welcome here um that would that could have been really really good as well just just even more but you know like i think the the funny thing is is that we didn't need um extra help in that one particular instance but you know it's 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 just such a absolutely bizarre brain poisoned uh you know uh talking point topic for for you know anyone in this country like like literally like you say like you know no like most people like the the existence of trans people does not like even bother them like it's just complete completely absurd that anyone would care about like gender neutral toilets and 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 this is a thing because gender neutral toilets are such a good argument against the fucking so-called bathroom debate right because gender neutral toilets in manchester at least they've exist for over 10 years like fucking you know i i used to go to a place called uh mint lounge when that was still open and their only toilet was a gender neutral toilet and this is a club you know, where, 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 you know, fucking hell, like, uh, if you, if you want to talk about like the safety of women, you know, like, uh, and, and this is like a, a huge thing, like, it, it makes absolutely no, uh, uh, sense, like, but uh, apparently now there's new guidance about it. And, you know, it's just, it's just such a, um, a horrible, horrible, nasty thing to do. Again, the state, again, the state organizing, it, it, well, flexing their muscles, right? It's flexing their muscles. I um so uh, we're we're getting a few questions into chat and um I am appreciating the conversation that we're having and the discussion that we're having but I also want uh chat to consider uh uh like asking some questions any questions especially that they have to do with Sarah's situation uh that I need to can answer and on that I want to maybe wind in towards that again for a minute uh before we answer some questions and then we're yeah. gonna have to uh wrap up the interview so that we can do our news section very strangely ep- structured episode today. So we're just having to talk talk it through on the fly. But um, Anita, uh, could you tell us again uh, what people can do uh, for Sarah at the moment, and also uh, remind us the you know the situation that she's in? Yeah. So yeah, the situation at the moment, Sarah is being held in Wandsworth Prison, a men's prison, um, as a trans woman, being given very few, even like so they've changed the the rules about this. But even within that, because most of the time when she was in jail for 30 years, she was always in men's prisons. But she had certain rights, like since I think about 2011, that she, they would have to provide her with female clothes. She was able to shower separately. Um, you know, they had things in place. And with the change in the rules saying that, oh, most trans women can't go to a female prison, they seem to have just thrown all of the other provisions that they had in in the bin as well um i mean what you're saying about bathrooms i think people just want somewhere 
that's private and safe um, to be able to, you know, go to the toilet and wash. I mean, I don't think most people, certainly in this country, most people don't really want to sort of shower in front of other people. Um, but, yeah, they won't let her shower separately, so she's not been able to shower. <laughs> so, you know, so that's that's uh, that's where she is. Um, so there's, there's a dual, because it's a bit confusing, her situation, so I'll just explain. There's two different things going on. One thing is that she was charged, and she's now facing a second quite similar charge um, to do with um, the speech that she made at Trans Pride. Um, so she's got court days with regards to that. Uh, the next day in court's the 22nd, and then the trial's the 31st. Demos before both of them. The 22nd one from 10 a.m., Westminster Magistrates Court. The 31st, City of London Magistrates Court, again from 10 a.m. Um, so that's that's one thing, is that she's facing that charge. She's pleading not guilty. The second thing is because she was on a life license and under probation, um, she's been recalled to prison. So even if she's found not guilty of the things that actually she was arrested for, she'll still remain in prison because she's been recalled. Um, so she will also be challenging that and applying for parole, but that's not likely to happen that soon. It's probably going to be some months before that happens. Um, yeah, and uh, as I said, the third thing is that she she wants to be transferred to a female prison. So, so there's different things going on. In terms of supporting her, you can come to the demos. If you go to her website, that's www.freesarahjanebaker.com. Then we've got an email address there. You can send messages of support to her there. Uh, we've also got links to our social media, most of which is a variation of freesarahjanebaker.com. Um, and, um, you know, you can share social media. Um, we're going to have other events in the future if you want to come along to or get involved in organising events. Um I'm drafting, and I'll hopefully have out soon, um, a model letter, uh, something, an open letter for people to sign and motions that people can pass if it's relevant to you in trade unions or similar organisations. Um, and if there's, you know, if you're an artist or photographer or have any particular skills or with social media or designing flyers or whatever it is, there's loads of things that you can do to help with the campaign. So you can message us via the website and be very happy to have you along. Um, you might even want to set up a campaign in your own area, as they've now done in Brighton. They'll also be having or certainly part of their events in uh, Bristol. Um, I've got someone that's going back to Italy to talk to organisations over there. Um, so, yeah, it's a really broad range of things. Um, that you can do to offer support. So, thank you. Okay, no, yeah, that's, that's fantastic. Yeah, thank, thank you. Th thanks so much for that. Um, so we have a couple of questions from the audience uh, before we uh, wrap up the interview. Uh, Ashrand asked, does Miss Baker know how much support she has from the outside? I hope so. I'm always uh, passing things on to her. And letting her know, you know, we're having demonstrations. These are the things that are happening. So uh, the only good thing I can say about Wandsworth is that most of the time she is able to ring me quite frequently. Um, so I am passing that on. And um, she's also getting letters and photos of demos and things 
being delivered to her. But, you know, if you want to make sure that you, she knows that she's got your support, then uh, do please write to her. Okay, Great. tremendous, yeah. Um, and Anarchic Alex uh, asked a bit of a longer, a bit of a longer question, but it's one we've kind of already been uh, batting around. Why do you think we're not seeing more about this among other leftists, e.g., climate activists, tenant unions, cop watches, trade unions? Are these groups still afraid to stand up for us trans people, even though we share the same enemy and are ultimately fighting for the same things? So, I mean, I feel that the support that I've had so far has mostly been from. Um, either trans campaigns or, you know, some, uh, as you said, a lot of trans people uh, that are involved in trans rights campaigning are also involved in environmental politics and, and similar things. Um, so that's, I guess, been the natural kind of group of people that have shown most support. Um, it is disappointing because I feel like most people do know what's going on um, and could be approaching us and offering help. Um, I think there's probably a bit more we can do to kind of try and outreach to people a bit more, which um, is something that we'll be working on. Um, it's been incredibly busy um, to set things up as far as we have. Um, but, yeah, I think a lot of people who are not familiar with, you know, prisoner solidarity or really thinking about the issue, which I think is a lot of the left as well, you know, um, Sadly, um, you know, there's even people on the left that call for tougher sentences and things like that against certain groups. So, um, you know, perhaps they feel put off. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I've been heartened at seeing the increase in size of things like trans pride because a few years ago it was tiny. Um, you know, that there seems to be an increase in, in, in support. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're right, you know, it needs it needs to be more. I think it's partly being a prisoner. And really sadly, I think that there's not enough, enough people on the left that are really doing what they should be in solidarity with trans people full stop, I'm afraid. Yeah, well, um, thanks for those answers. Uh, those are all the questions that the audience have given. So, um, yeah, thank you so much. Again, everyone, that's www.freesarahjanebaker.com. You can find all the details there, including the email address to email Sarah your support. Um, yeah, uh, even if you. it's even if it's just one sentence, just mm -hmm. saying yeah. anything. I support you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you go to a demo, take some photos, send them yep. through, um, yep. anything like that, I'm sure yep. would be absolutely awesome to see. We have a crowdfunder too. I keep forgetting that. There you go. There you go. Also donate. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, well, I'm glad you said that because uh, besides that, I was going to say thank you for joining us, Anita. Uh, yeah. So it was a well, good, thank you good so last much for having edition. me on. Thank, thank you, you very much. All right. Take care. Pleasure. Solidarity. 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 Take care. Have a great Bye. night. Bye. Okay, uh, and that was Anita from Free Sarah Jane Baker. Uh, we are going to cover. Uh, three little bits of news uh, and then wrap up the show. As we say, very strangely structured show today, kind of fell together. We had a different guest, uh, but mm. we were going to just chat to Anita for a little bit. And then uh, we obviously got more time to chat to Anita because the guest didn't show up. Uh, well, obviously it was great chat with Anita anyway. And uh, yeah, just like great to have her. Um, yeah, so absolutely. now, oh, my leg's gone dead. So now we have uh, a few... <laughs> news items that we would usually have done at the start of the show uh we'll tell you now first one uh we talked last week about niger 
So um, Niger could be headed towards uh, being used in proxy war between the West and Russia um is is how things currently kind of look so if we remember uh what we we're talking about last week uh there's a coup in niger um against the current uh i think president i, I can never remember which countries have presidents and which ones have prime ministers anyway um the coup was led by general chiani and was explicitly against french colonialism um 35 of all uranium used in french nuclear stations comes from niger and 25 of all u- uranium used across the EU comes from Niger. So uh, the extractive imperialist capitalist re- regime has, uh, you know, very, very strong, uh, st- you know, st- strong uh, presence in Niger. And uh, this coup is very interesting to see, uh, you know, a-, a-, a coup within Africa that is explicitly against colonialism and extractive imperialist capitalism. Um, however, um, uh Putin's uh, PMC, that's private private military contractor, force the Wagner Group, uh, have claimed responsibility for the coup. Uh, And it seems that people from uh, Chiani's outfit uh, also uh, confirm this, that the Wagner Group was involved. Um, There's a lot of uh, kind of bullshitting around it, as there always is with uh, anything tied to Putin, because uh, smoke and mirrors is his his whole entire thing. Uh, So Prigozhin said that... um, this demonstrates the effectiveness of the Wagner group. It was it was a thousand Wagner fighters have now secured the region, which just kind of sounds like a nonsense statement on the on the face of it. Um, so we don't, we, you know, we we can't know for sure what happened there. Only that they're claiming Very responsibility. Middle solid. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> and I think so. I mean, I think the the, the full context with uh, with the Wagner group that people should bear in mind is how much kayfabe it is, right? I, I think I was telling Mule this before, uh, last week is like. My analogy for it is like, you know, Vince McMahon, he's got he's got the whichever like wrestling hero working for him. And then the someone takes a heel turn and and and, and goes against him and starts calling out the WWE uh, and saying, you're all a bunch of, you know, cor- corrupt, greedy businessmen. And you only care about money and you're exploiting the fans and you're exploiting the wrestlers. And then McMahon comes down and, you know, fights the guy and shows how tough he is. Um, and this is, uh, you know, this is the Wagner Group's coup. Like, it's it's patently absurd on the face of it that, like, just prima facie, the idea that, like, he just paid them off. And that's just, like, they were going to do a coup kind of for no reason. And then he just paid them off. Uh, it, you know, it, it, it reads pretty clearly to me. This is just my own speculation, but reads pretty clearly to me. Like, they uh, were staging something and, and they were just trying to highlight the Wagner Group as this potentially powerful force again like a, a, a turned wrestling heel who uh who's able to challenge the the management and then and then gets beaten down and carries on working for them but it it's a reminder that they have such a tough guy working for them and now the wagner group are in africa um claiming responsibility for a coup in niger so you know this is all in my opinion has like elements of extremely orchestrated uh spectacle and optics going on um but uh, ECOWAS, that's the Economic Community of West African States, uh, ECOWAS countries are now committing troops for a possible military intervention in Niger. Um, now, ECOWAS, you know, is 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 part of the uh, kind of um, modern neoliberal globe, like uh, capitalist order, um, you know, is this, is a similar like economic trade block group organized in the same way that the the EU is or the um, or the the Na- you know, uh, NAFTA agreement uh was um or is i yeah whatever um and and so in in this sense like um 
ECOWAS um, could be seen as um, um, uh, taking the West side against against this. And it's, we, we may well see um, their military intervention being backed up by France and possibly the US um, as time goes on. Well, you know, we, we will see. It's, it's kind of, it's disappointing to see that a coup explicitly against French colonialism has apparently been backed by what will probably just be a different colonial master. Um, right. Yeah. Um, but, um, and even more um, worrying for the people of Niger, if it, if it does turn into a proxy war. Um, but um, yeah, something to keep an eye on as, as weeks go by, I reckon. Um, there we go. Uh, Tim, do you want to tell us about Israel and Palestine action? Well, yes. Yeah. So some freedom of information requests have confirmed that Israeli officials tried to influence the UK justice system regarding our comrades of the show, Palestine Action. So, um, yeah, we've we've um, talked about Palestine Action a bunch. We've had them on the show. Um, they have done a lot of good work in the past shutting down um, the war crimes factories of a group called Albert Systems. So Albert Systems are... They're a UK-based company that they're the guys that make the drones that Israel uses to, you know, kill children and all that kind of stuff. And um, so, uh, yeah, Palestine Action have been really successful at shutting down their uh, factories, basically just by shining a light on them and showing people that this is what they do here. And, uh, you know, companies like Elbit, they don't like that. Like uh, they often pick nondescript locations kind of in the middle of nowhere. And they kind of, they prefer to just be doing their thing and nobody knowing, you know, what they're building, what, what they're making in these factories and where they're going and who they're making them for or whatever. So um, yeah. So in the past, Palestine Action have done actions like just literally just like camping out outside the factory and highlighting what is done there and to what ends. Oh, are you aware of the uh, Palestine Action Underground development that happened? Because you reported on this uh, last week. Oh, no, I'm not. Because I've been aware. Well, I'll fill you in and, and, and anyone else who missed it. Um, but basically, there is an offshoot now from Palestine Action. So Palestine Action, to clarify, are the comrades of the show. However, uh, we, we cannot endorse this offshoot because they have committed to crime. Uh, and breaking the law is, of course, wrong, as the law, law is the arbiter of all morality. So Red Planet does not endorse this. But this um, uh, Palestine Action Underground has popped up and uh, basically is uh, is taking a stance that with the with the police cracking down on Palestine Action, they're no longer going to um, going to be uh, doing like uh, the the kind of civil disobedience uh, methods within the law that Palestine Action have been sticking to. Uh, in particular, there was a there was a, a communique given to Freedom Press by someone a group called the the George Habash Brigade. Uh, they claim that there are the cells of Palestine Action underground all across the UK. Um, and they they flew a small uh, drone uh, with a biohazard bag onto the roof of a drone factory. Um, I don't remember if it was in Leicester or somewhere else, but um, yeah, as a what they described as a present. Um, mm. So yeah, um, it's like and it's like just that there's a fact that there's a there's a there's a drone factory in somewhere like Leicester, you know. Yeah. Like, isn't that fucking weird? You Horrible. Know? Like, Disgusting. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. this is, we watched uh, Nay Pazaran a while ago, right? And it's the, mm. um, you know, as soon as people find out they're working on something that's like being used in this horrifying way, they're just like, no, absolutely yeah. not. Yeah. 
So, um, yes, yeah, so Israeli embassy officials in London uh, got in touch with the Attorney General's office and tried to get them to intervene with, well, interfere with the prosecution of protesters. <laughs> so um, documents seen by the Guardian, uh, you know, the, the, the Guardian ones that investigated this. And um, so they obtained these papers through a Freedom of Information Act. And um, for, this is Palestine action. And they indicate that embassy officials pressed for the director general of the attorney general's office, Douglas Wilson, to step in on these cases. So despite them taking place in the UK and being prosecuted by the UK justice system, Israel were like, well, you know, representatives of Israel were like, no, look, we need to, you know, like this needs to be more serious. We need to kind of like, um, you know, like they're trying to, I guess, make it like a, you know, like an international incident, which is like what, like, is the like Israeli embassy, Israeli embassies around the world often do this. Like yeah. when, um, there was some New Zealand activists, New Zealand Israeli Jewish activists um, wrote to Lord and they were like, hey, you should not perform in Tel Aviv. You know, like that's really shitty. Like a bunch of shitty stuff goes on there. Um, we love you. And we are like, you know, Israeli Jews. And we we don't, we don't, uh, you know, like we don't uh, think that people should be supporting what our kind of country does over there and that like you know performing in these places kind of um like you know act like it kind of like it makes it seem like they're cool you know and yeah. israel loves to be like the cool place in the middle east where all the pop stars go and all that kind of shit yeah. so they wrote this later being like you shouldn't do that and um yeah and so now they're like basically if they ever go to israel or if they ever go to a country that is like has an extradition agreement with israel or anything like that they basically have to go to israel and like uh face i think they've been charged with treason by israel which is like absolutely wild you know like how can you be treasonous to a place that you're like not in or is this about (laughs) the 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 people in israel like i'm confused well no so they're in new zealand but right i was gonna say yeah yeah so it's like (laughs) yeah yeah so they can't yeah they can never go you know see their family that still live over there because you know there are like there are people that grew up in Israel and then left and were like, holy shit, you know, like, you know, like they realized from the outside, they're like, man, like I was just, I grew up bombarded by so much propaganda and all this kind of stuff. And even people that come to while they're growing up over there, you know, like, um, like I've met people, like plenty of people like that. So um, yeah, you know, like once you see it from the outside, I think, some people yeah. see it differently. There are a lot of people that, you know, that the the delusion is too strong, I guess. The yeah. propaganda is too strong. So in um, chat, yeah. uh, Anarchic Alex is saying it only demonstrates how successful Palestine action has been. Israel is getting seriously impacted by their actions. Yeah. That's yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like they they hate the international attention on, you know, what they do, you know, on the um the illegal occupation of Palestine. So um yeah, so the so the embassy got in touch that they were try- basically trying to be like hey look you know like you're not taking enough action sort of thing so the papers are provided in response to this freedom of information act 
uh, requests were heavily redacted with the AG's office explained by saying that showing everything that was said in them would be likely to prejudice the UK's relations with Israel. Just <laughs> like, okay, like... Yeah, yeah. if we admitted to what we say in private, then people, uh, the public might have some opinions about that and we might have to act differently. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. you know, it's like they would... I mean, the things that they said in there would have been... Um, would have prejudiced the uk's relationship with israel you know it would have been like hey look you need to fucking do something about this or we're gonna do something you know like there's gonna be something like we're gonna stop doing this or that or you know there'll be something you know like that would have been where the real prejudice against the uk's relationships would have been uh relations with israel but um, yeah, spokesperson for the Israeli embassy has said that as part of its ongoing work, the embassy of Israel raises awareness on several on severe attacks against entities related to Israel. <laughs> the entity they are referring to is a weapons factory that builds drones for blowing up children. And that's it, right? They're like, so Israel are constantly launching attacks against, you know, civilians, against residential homes, against children. And they're acting as if, you know, like an attack on their weapons that they use to commit these, you know, these literally genocidal acts is a crime, you know, is like violence against them, you know? It's like, it's, yeah, it's great. Yeah. That connected it, to us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a lot. It's like, those are, those are their emotional support war crimes. Um but you know, like it's it's absolutely um, deranged that anyone that anyone takes takes this shit seriously. You know that that um, you know, like, and it, it's wild to see people outside of Israel, people that aren't Israeli or anything like that. You know, like people just taking this these Zionist lines and just like accepting them and being like, oh yeah, you know, like they, you know, like um, the line is that okay, well, you know, like the the Jews deserve a homeland and stuff like that. And it's like, yes, all Jewish people deserve a safe place to live and stuff. But, you know, like the Palestinian people <laughs> deserve that too. And it's like, you know, like, yeah, it's, it's, it's fucking wild. And it's like, you know, even like when, you know, there have been times in the past where uh, Palestinian people have like welcomed in, you know, the Jewish people like the Israeli people and they lived in harmony. And like, I mean, even though there was like, you know, obviously the initial agreement was like not of their choice. Like it was largely bartered by like the UK and stuff, you know, to settle the, um, to settle the Israeli people in Palestine. But like for a long time, it was like, you know, like I, I have friends who their parents' passports say like, you know, uh israel palestine you know like it was like it was a it was a joint land but then um yeah obviously it's it's gone far beyond that a ridiculous point and i didn't see how anyone that is not just fully drinking the kool-aid can just um you know can just stand by i did just... i did tell you about the time i saw the guy with the palestine Patagon- like patagonia t-shirt right no oh, what was that oh this is the worst centrist i ever met right so i um mm. i was on a train and you know the Patagonia logo that's like the hills? Yeah. yeah. That's Patagonia, right? So he's wearing a t- this guy walks past me and he's wearing a t-shirt that's like that. Only the only the skyline, right? Yeah, and it says yeah. Palestine, right? Um, and I'm like, hey, cool shirt. And he turns around, and he's like, what? And I'm like, that's a cool shirt, right? 
and he he goes and like this is like this is like it's absolutely the voice I've done for this kind of guy for my whole life, but I swear to God, <laughs> it is also just literally the actual voice he really had. He goes like, oh, yeah, like, um, yeah, it's actually my friends. Uh, like, I don't, um, I actually don't know loads about, like, the, like, the whole situation. Um, <laughs> I, I don't really have a position or whatever, but, like, cool, like, I'm glad you like it. Yeah, okay. And then he walked off. And it's just like <laughs> that is the you worst have a position thing. on genocide. Like, fuck. Yeah, yeah. wow. It's like the guy that I mean. It's like okay, well, fucking thanks for the solidarity, bro. <laughs> like, you know, like, yeah, like, I made up a guy to get mad at, and then he, and then he, and then he existed. Like I could, <laughs> you know, you could, you could come up with this guy, yeah. and then he's he's fucking real, and he's in front of me on the train. Yeah. Um. Yeah, no, absolutely wild. But um, yeah. Anyway, uh, so yeah, so that's just just a little peek at the way that um, you know, like uh, the that Israel kind of tries to get involved to um, like punish any kind of like any kind of critics or any kind of disruption of their activities outside of um outside of Israel. Yeah, a lot of the times they will try to call for people to be you know, to be, to stand trial in Israel as well. So, um, yeah, just absolutely like, yeah, deranged stuff. But, um, Mule, why don't you tell us about, um, about how things are heating up in, uh, in the Northern hemisphere there, what's going on? Yeah, that's right, Tim. Uh, so, uh, I, I take no joy in telling you this, everybody listening uh, and watching. It's uh, wildfire season. Uh, even though the world is uh, definitely not ending, uh, things are about to get a, a hell of a lot worse because, uh, yo, this 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 is easily like the most wildfire action I think we've seen in uh, uh, in just in in the world in in the history of the world. I think um, so. About thirty thousand households have been ordered to evacuate in Canada's British Columbia province where nearly 400 wildfires are raging. Uh, evacuation orders grew from covering 15,000 homes on Friday to at least 30,000 by Saturday evening and another 36,000 homes are under evacuation alert. Canada is having its worst wildfire season on record with at least 1,000 fires burning across the country according to the Canadian Interagency Forest Fire Centre um, and uh, an entire capital, an entire capital city um they have like provinces in in uh um in canada and they each have a capital city which has you know uh, a lot of people living in it and uh, this one capital city that is uh, pretty much in the in the firing line as it were um of this uh, particular wildfire is called uh yellow knife um and you know this this is like a, a legit you know, I mean, it's 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 not like a huge city, but still, this is a lot of people. Like, there's going to be twenty thousand people who will need to evacuate the city. Like, you know, this is like a, a census from 2016, so um, the population could even be even more than that um, uh, in here in 2023. So, uh, but yeah, so that's that's the situation in Canada, and then over in Hawaii, uh, at least 114 people have lost their lives in devastating Maui wildfires as first responders are continuing to search for um, what people are estimating to be a thousand missing people in the fire-ravaged town. 
residents are reporting as well. I'm sure people have seen this, that investors and realtors are trying to capitalize on the wildfires by purchasing land from locals. So not even, not even letting um, people grieve for lost loved ones. Uh, most people know these wildfires have been going on for, for about a week or, or maybe a bit longer, but it's, um, it's just, you know, such a, a vile thing to do where it's like, ah, oh, well, you lost your home, but we'll give you some money for it. It's like, and of course, you know, uh, people who live in, in Hawaii, like the indigenous people of Hawaii, uh, are not going to take kindly to that. Like, you know, this this is just like, you know, disaster neo-colonialism, like a new, a new level of colonialism unlocked that is just so incredibly vile. Um, so, you know, solidarity to uh, the Hawaiian uh, people. And uh, yeah, don't, don't, don't go on. Uh, I mean, uh, most people probably aren't going to go uh, on vacation to Hawaii anymore, but don't go, uh, <laughs> you know, that's, that's that. Um, so that is um, Hawaii. And because Hawaii is a, uh, you know, it, it's listed as an, as an American, uh, uh, you know, place even though it, you know we all know it's not um it's it's apparently being registered as america's deadliest wildfire in the last century um so that even goes for anything that's happened on you know north american soil you know um there are also desperate attempts this is just something that i've noticed um there are desperate attempts to blame this on anything other than climate change with a video circulating showing a power line hitting a tree and a camera refocusing pointing in a completely different direction uh when it supposedly powers up again and then showing the forest on fire the reality of this is that if if this were actually the case the fire would have been much more controllable if the fire department were informed at that point um also makes a really bad case for a utility company in charge of those lines and what they are doing to prevent such a thing occurring in in general um so that's hawaii but uh, wait there's more uh spanish authorities ordered the evacuation of four villages on the canary island of tenerife on wednesday after a fire broke out in a nature park surrounding the mount Tade volcano it comes after the canary islands were hit by a heat wave that left many areas bone dry increasing the risk of wildfires um the amount of water um over evaporation is something that you can also uh check out if you want to like uh you know get really annoyed and upset about this whole situation uh there are lots of uh, stories you can you can uh find on the internet about how much water has uh all of a sudden become completely scarce um all over places in the imperial periphery um you know and even some places in europe uh so yeah you, you can you can check out a bit more of that if you uh uh you know have the time uh greek authorities are also um have been having to deal with the uh uh, some wildfires in Greece. Uh, they evacuated eight villages near the northeastern border with Turkey due to a large summer wildfire uh, burning out of control, whipped on by high winds. Uh, the fire service said more than 130 fighters assisted uh, by 14 water-dropping planes and three helicopters were struggling to contain the blaze and reinforcements were sent from other parts of the country. The forest fire broke out early Saturday uh, near the village of Melia, uh, east of the town of Alexandropolis. So anyone listening um, in the future, this is, uh, you know, the 20th, 20th of August. So we're talking yesterday, the 19th of August. 
And this also comes after the wildfires of Portugal last week, where around 800 personnel attended a fire near the southern town of Odemira overnight on Monday, with more than 1,400 people having to evacuate. Um, so with all that doom and gloom chat, you know, it is important to remember that the world is not ending. Um, these things are going to continue, you know, f- what, what the wildfires cause? Well, uh, death of trees. What does death of trees mean? Well, uh, more carbon dioxide going into the atmosphere. So this is only going to be um, furthering the, the speed at which climate disaster. Well, well it, I, I guess climate disaster is a nebulous term that we want to avoid. Various climate disasters are going to occur. Um, it's going to it's going to just, you know, compound uh, the, the greenhouse gases. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, organize, uh, and mobilize, uh, that's, that's the, the ticket, right? You know, well, why else do you come here? Why else do you listen to the show? <laughs> um, so that's it. That's it for the news, uh, that we've got for you, uh, uh, this week. Yep. Um, so yeah. I guess the main thing to say is that you can support the show on patreon.com slash red <gasps> underscore planet. Now, how can you do that? You're asking, well, there are actually quite a few different ways to support the show. Uh, the first of them, it's a tiny, teeny little tier we like to call Sprite Mode. It only costs you £2 per month. Uh, and the description reads like this. Get started with your support for Red Planet by becoming a Sprite. Benefits include the sacred and forbidden knowledge that you are helping the Red Planet team, early access to VODs, access to the Red Planet Discord, supporting us, of course. Uh, yeah, there is a Red Planet Discord, and we hang out in there. We share uh, memes, secret memes that you can only see there. Uh, they are posted anywhere else, um, and they they teach you how to do kung fu. Um, so everyone who is in the Discord has seen the memes and can fight like a black belt. And uh, and anyone who is not, they haven't. It's so, like Neo, yeah, absolutely. You know, they're not they're not safe from <laughs> Red Planet Discord users. Anyway. Um, <laughs> What about the next tier up, uh, Tim? So the next one, uh, Goblin Mode, which I think is $10 US, but uh, is $17.50 a month in New Zealand dollary news. That's right. um, everyone loves a goblin. We will get a little Goblin Mode from time to time. Complete your gobology by going Goblin Mode with everything from Sprite Mode. A cool pack of Red Planet stickers for you to stick in legal places and only in places like that. Access to exclusive Red Planet Discord hangouts. Supporting us. And, um, yeah, blah, 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 blah. Um, <laughs> so, the, um, yeah, the, the hangouts are a special thing. Like, if you, you get in Sprite mode, you get into the Discord. But we have a higher, the, all the higher tiers, we have little Discord hangouts where we'll just, like, hang out, watch a movie or some TV shows or play games and just talk about it. Um, the last one I did was a couple of weeks back with, um, uh, was it with, uh, so it was, were you there so far? Was it just me? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I was going to say, I think it was just me and Kira. I thought so for Jonas, yeah, but it no, actually happened saying. because there was an earlier time we were going to do it. And we forgot to tell anyone about it. So it ended up just being me and Soph, like two, two people hanging out. And they were like, okay, let's do it again. And um, then the following week, me and Kira did it. Yeah, and um, yeah, and it was great. We watched um, two allegedly famous episodes of Star Trek that um, dealt with some some ideological kind of uh, little things that apparently, um, which according to Kira, kind of sum up a lot of what star trek is trying to do like you know like uh 
asking the asking the big questions that Star yeah. Trek was trying that's, to Yeah, that's how um, I picked those ones up. Yeah, yeah, which was really fun because we got to talk about not just, um, you know, what was actually happening in the show, but there was a lot of stuff in there that both of us were talking about, like, kind of, um, like, context from the time or from other things that even inspired those episodes. And, um, yeah, it was really cool, just, like, really informal, just chill, have a chat. Um, and it was cool to learn some more about yeah. Star Trek because I'm a bit of a... I really hope I can make the next one because I'm a huge yeah. Trekkie and like I would love to chat chat that stuff through. Yeah, uh, awesome. Yeah. So that's just a, just a glimpse at, uh, at what happens here in these Discord Hangouts. <laughs> um, so uh, what about... Uh, what's the next day, Emil? What's, um, what's after Goblin what? Oh, Tim, it's beast mode. Yeah, that's seventeen pound uh, or twenty five dollars. Uh, and uh, I think how much? How much is it in Aotearoa? Uh, <laughs> there is, there it wrong. Right. I'm there is it no wrong. officially recognized Aotearoa uh, currency. Um, there have been there have been former attempts. If there are, there is an old guy up north. He might have passed away now. That was um, printing <laughs> Napui dollars and driver's licenses and passports. And That's it's kind of legendary. Like I wish that I had some, you know, just as like a uh, kind of weird curiosity. But um, but no, it's uh, thirty four dollars fifty New Zealand. Thirty four dollars uh in New Zealand, and uh, sorry, thirty four dollars fifty and twenty dollars in the states. I'm being told. Mm. Uh, holy shit! Are you actually gonna go beast mode? Well, then we can offer you all the stuff from the lower tiers and pin badges. Yeah, that's right, pin badges. Wear your excellent new red planet pin badge literally everywhere. It's completely cool and good to do. Uh, <laughs> but what if you just like you your uh, brain is so sick uh and you are just completely you're you're, you're really like intense mm. about red planet mm. so f- what what can those people do surely we can help them surely there's something that we can oh, do okay for- yeah no i understand i understand a lot of people think there's no helping these kinds of people a lot of people think that this is you know this is these people have gone too far they're not going to be it's not going to be possible to do anything about them because they're too they're too much of a sicko but but Luckily, there is a tier for them. It's called Sicko Mode, and it costs yeah! five pounds a month or a hundred dollars. If you are irreparably sick for Red Planet, and the only cure is more Red Planet, well, you can make more Red Planet happen by going Patreon.com/slash/Red_Planet and pledging at the highest tier, Sicko Mode. And if you support us this much, we can only reasonably offer you everything from the lower tiers and a very special thank you message at the end of every stream. Now, how does that thank you message look, you're wondering? Just like this. Thank you, Sickos. JBP, Narrow on Starfire, Green Pib. You, you, we, you, you're sick. We love you. Sick little, we love. Sick, sick little, sick pups. S- sick little up. puppies. Thank you so much for supporting our show. <laughs> yeah. Also, uh, and- Go on, so sorry. <laughs> well, is there any okay, Mule? Is there any other way you can uh, you can support the show besides Patreon? Is what I was yes. yes, yes, yes. You can buy a T-shirt. It's really <laughs> cool. Oh, it's mercenarycreative.com. Uh, get it, head over there and get our queer existence is resistance T-shirt. Um, literally uh, created by the entirety of Red Planet. Everyone yeah. had something to do with it. That's um, true. 
amazing art uh, by I, I laid out my, my I I laid out my lighter uh, flagging hanky and bottle of poppers on the floor and took the picture that was the template. Oh, you did. That's what it was. Uh, it was a picture, right? Right, we, right, right, right. Yeah, we all yeah. we all like did a little bit and we pro- progressively made it together. And yeah. after another yeah, long amount of time, we'll probably make another design. And yeah. there'll be more much. Tim's got yeah, his own. Look, at, look that. at that. Oh my god, Tim. He's got one. That's that's I have so one too, crazy. I'm not in this room. It's all right. Um, it's on the screen. If you can see it, yeah, uh, or if you're watching yeah. us on YouTube or Twitch. Yeah. Um amazing. So please, please, please go ahead and support Red Planet by getting our merch. Uh it's yeah. really cool. And it'll probably I don't know, it'll probably get you in with the polycule, to be honest. Um so yeah. yeah definitely would. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So um with all that in mind uh thank you so much everybody uh for listening if uh you cannot handle um you know a, another week without red planet then uh i don't know so where can people find you oh if someone were to go around collecting up the individual pieces of red planet like little little gemstones to slip, <laughs> to slip into their 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 red planet gauntlet so that they could snip, snap their fingers and make it so there's red planet all the time uh yeah they they could find me uh, by going to linktr.ee linktree uh, slash Sophie from Mars, all one word, and all of my links are there. I will uh, probably uh, it, it should be up to date, but I'll, I'll just check over it shortly because I, I do need to make some adjustments to it. I'm on Tumblr. I'm on Twitch. I stream when I feel like it. There's no schedule. I can't. I can't help you. Sorry. Um, I also make YouTube video essays. Uh, I just made one recently uh, that I spent two years making. It finally released. It's called "The World Is Not Ending," and it's about how the world. Get this, it's not ending. Whoa! Uh, I'm working on I'm working on one about AI. Uh, hopefully, will be out next week. Um, which you know, if you if you if you want your Red Planet fill, uh, I'm gonna be away week after next. So if you need more Sophie, especially to get your full Red Planet team, uh, now would be a good time to go over to my Patreon.com/slash Sophie from Mars. And see all of the bonus content you can get there. I actually just had a chat with uh, November Caldwell Kelly from Trash Future Pod, Kill James Bond, and uh, Well, there's your pro- Well, there's your problem pod, and uploaded the the chat about AI that we had uh, to my Patreon uh, today. And uh, I'll be using a little bit of that in my AI video too. But yeah, there's behind the scenes content that only patrons can get. So check that all out. Uh, and if you want uh, to get um, more of our absent host Kira. Uh, she also has a link tree, linktr.ee slash Kira chats, and we can't talk about what's on there. Can we chat? No. You know why. No. no. And that's how you know Naughty. it's good. And that's why you know it's good. Uh, but what about our present hosts, such as Tim? Um, you can find me on Twitch and on YouTube as Conquest of Dread, but you can find me over on Twitter as Dread Conquest. Um, yeah, I haven't been streaming too much. Well, I've been away for a couple of weeks, but um, I um, I might do some streams next month. I'm thinking because it is going to be Twitch is um, like there's Twitch A and Z do like a Maori language month sort of thing, and um, I did a bunch of streams for it last year, and they just emailed me about um, getting in on that again this year. So I um, yeah, I might do that might do some streams i don't know what i'll play i'm just finishing up yakuza zero at the moment which is very good but um i got given Baldur's gate three for my birthday so wow maybe um maybe maybe we'll do nice, a little bit too. of that yeah, maybe we can maybe, maybe we can com- we can compare characters 
I was thinking of maybe I'll play it offline, like just for myself, and then maybe I'll do a like modded to shit like stream. Um, so you know, we'll see. We'll find some good. We'll get on Nexus. We'll find. We'll we'll cruise through the adult tab. We'll see what's <laughs> going on. <laughs> no, but what about my language? Yeah, yeah. What about Mule? What's going on? Uh, where can we find you? Uh, I've got a link tree as well. It's uh, linktree.ee forward slash DJ Mule, DJ M U E L for those listening. Um, I got a Patreon on there. I got a Twitch. I got a YouTube. I got a VOD channel. I got a TikTok. Uh, I got an Instagram. Uh, I got a Twitter, but I got banned uh, for saying something that everyone believes in is not even that bad. Uh, but I also got a Blue Sky, which is not on the link tree. I just actually went on there to, to, to actually start setting that up. So I believe you made um, some kind of comment about uh, the, the British world leader who started the Iraq war and um something gruesome that happens in the original fargo film yeah i mean you know like uh, no comment like i think i think like any kind of like people who want to speculate on like what my crimes were um and how long i should go to prison for it you know whatever like you know that's just up to you but like uh, i just said the truth uh and that's that um so anyway Check me out. Yeah, meanwhile, over on Blue Sky, free speech is actually legal, as is comedy. You know, that's on Blue Sky. You can yeah. say things like the 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 thickened genetic runoff from Tony Blair and Keir Starmer's cloning process that formed West Streeting was the worst thing to happen to humanity, and you don't get banned. You know, it's that's, true. That's allowed. It's true. You don't get banned just for saying very normal uh, leftist ideas, and uh, that's that's that. That's that. Blue Sky is uh, the place. Uh, anyway. That's it. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Uh, absolutely incredible. And uh, thanks to our guest, as per usual. Um, if you're with us in the Twitch chat, we're going to be raiding Nicotine. Uh, join us because uh, she does some really cool streams. She's really fun and funny and good. Um, so, yeah. Thank you, everyone. Good night. Goodbye. Solidarity. Bye. Bye, bye, bye. Ooh. Whoa. We fudged right. through that. And we did great. <laughs> Uh, oh. oh my gosh, everybody breathe. Incredible everybody scenes. Breathe. <laughs> I'm breathing. It was uh <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you're yeah, you're breathing. On that Kundalini. <laughs>